0: welcome to rem and sam and today we have a historic episode our first ever public figure, most famous interview on the pod it's been forever since we had a interview on this podcast uh we have we are welcoming danny uh danny Wisman, tv reporter news anchor editor whole lot of titles some call us me and him, best friends. Some call us friends of convenience. You know, there's all kinds of titles. But all we throw all those out the window because we got you here on the pod for one reason and one reason only, Danny. You are a Bears fan, and the Bears just so happen to have the number one pick. So I'll let you come in here, give your expertise, and we'll just get into it. What should get it. the Chicago Bears do with the number one overall pick, Danny? Get rid of it ship that thing off for
1: whatever we can get i can't say that enough i've seen so many rumors about trade justin fields draft Bryce young at the 101 no i don't want another project for the bears i want to keep justin fields man is electric and i want to fleece some team maybe the colts for that 101 pick
0: yeah and a long time listeners obviously know that Ram is a Colts fan. So Rem, come in here. You know, what, what, what What do you guys should, what should you guys be willing to give up here for the pick? What are you willing to part ways with?
2: Well, I want to know first from Danny, just real quick. We're, we're recording this it's Wednesday night and we hear today, the news, one of the top prospects in the draft, Jalen Carter, there's some news off the field issues, arrest warrants, all that. Not, not good when you're trying to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Has that news affected your thought process on the draft at all? I guess maybe your thoughts on Jalen Carter, because in my mind, he is like a generational, almost like a generational type defensive prospect who maybe you should just take, just stay at number one overall and just take, but has that news kind of affected your thoughts on the number one pick?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we had it at one point where it was going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, two of the generational defensive talents. That drops down to only one. I mean, on the off chance that someone else swoops in and you know moves up to the two or the three and Will Anderson isn't there for us at the four, like if we traded with the Colts, uh, there's no saying what we can do. I mean, we'd trade down again at that point, but I don't think we want to put all of our eggs in that Will Anderson basket if Jalen Carter is not going to be available. Anytime these players have off the field issues, I mean, there's a few exceptions, but these off the field issues at this time of the draft, it's not. It's not a good look, and I don't really want someone like that in our locker room in the first place. So, uh, it definitely changes the uh, the outlook of that one on one for sure.
2: And you're sold on Fields as the quarterback long term because it seemed early in the draft process that there were rumors, and you know the the Bears are trying to just get whatever leverage they can against these teams when they're trying to negotiate for the number one overall pick. So maybe these different things are just being leaked out to see what's out there, but. There's rumors that fields might be available. Maybe, you know, you look at the passer rating the first couple of years, you look at the records. Has he earned the trust as the guy there in Chicago?
1: I think he has. I mean, you look at what he was playing at last year. I mean, he had nobody around him. I mean, he had scrubs that wouldn't have a job on any other team. And he's putting up MVP caliber numbers. I mean, I had him on my dynasty team in fantasy football. Didn't expect a lot out of him, but he had, I think, three, four five weeks in a row where he dropped 40 points out there. I mean, the rushing ability. His ability to see the field, yeah, it's got to improve. Get those deep balls in. You look at him at Ohio State. I know there's a, you know, Ohio State College, it's different. But he was hitting those deep balls. I mean, he had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and crazy amount of talent around him. You give him, you know, a player. I look at the Colts and I say, what else could we get with that 104? I look at Michael Pittman. Big guy, young guy. I would like to see him in a in a in that navy blue uniform on the field rather than that royal blue. And that's definitely one of the trade things that I've seen around there is we've been fishing for that wide receiver. And I think we could definitely get him in a trade for that one-on-one.
0: Yeah, no, definitely seems like this is not the draft class to go out and get weapons. I think most wide receivers will be taken day two, day three. Um, but let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty into the little bit of the trades, looking at Mel Kuyper, his draft board. He has you guys trading down to the two and then again to the four. Cause right now the top two prospects off the board are CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, so, you know, down at four, Jalen Carter's off the board and chances are Will Anderson too. Cardinals are looking to take him. So who's on What what's on your wish list? What is on the whiskey man wish list for that? If you guys drop down to four.
2: And if I could just add if I could just add to this real quickly, when we just look at all of these trades, like who are the teams? Because we're going to talk about the Texans and the Colts, but the Panthers and the Falcons are going to come up eight, nine, maybe the Raiders at seven. The range, like how, how far back are you willing to go as well too? Because, you know, you could collect all the assets, but at what point is it like, Hey, we want to be up at the top of the draft and get a guy that's actually Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or just one of these other like top guys in the draft.
1: For sure. I think it boils down to when we're getting most bang for our buck. If we keep trading back and we're just getting some random second and third round picks, the odds of you hitting on those are slim to none. I would much rather keep a top five pick and know you're going to get a generational talent. The other part of that, though, is you got to take best available. If you're going to trade back, you have to be willing to continue to trade back. If we're going to drop down to the four or the five, there's not a really clear cut guy after Jalen Carter and and Will Anderson. I wouldn't mind trading back down to the nine again or, you know, bottom end of the top 10 and getting a tackle like the uh, Northwestern tackle. What's his name? Uh, Peter... I can't pronounce his last name Yeah, we know, know, off yeah the top yeah. of my head, but yeah, yeah I, he's, I mean, he's a great he's talent. A I mean, we need offensive line help and you just got to take what's best available for your team. If it's a quarterback that's on the board, I don't want it. If it's a, you know, we're pretty stacked at cornerback. You look at Kyler Gordon last year, pretty solid rookie year. Jalen Johnson's the guy that we got to resign defensive backs aren't our, our, our need right now. Same with safety with Jaquan Brisker. If we're looking at defensive ends, defensive tackles, and there's not a clear cut one keep getting those assets and keep trading back. At that point, it just makes the most sense to do that.
2: And the Colts do seem like the most favorable team to do this with sitting at four because it's in that sweet spot where you could, you could even get like a future first for the Colts to have to move up and get that number one pick. But you're also, like you said, in that top five where you could get one of these top guys. But if I'm the Colts and I'm sitting there at four, I think that's just, again, I think that's kind of the perfect world because there is going to be movement. These teams behind the Colts as well, like we said, Panthers, Cardinals, Raiders, they're going to be looking to trade up the Texans. You know, who knows what they do with that pick? Do they move up to number one? Who knows? There's going to be movement. Seems like there's going to be quarterbacks that go off the board. One, two, seems like maybe two to three quarterbacks could go in the top five. And that, again, is going to leave like Will Anderson could just fall to the Colts at four. So if you're going to if you're looking at the Bears and going, hey, Let's give you assets to give you that benefit where one of these star players just falls in your lap. Well, we can just kind of do that anyways. Like I honestly, I don't want to trade up and get the number one pick in the draft because I know it's going to cost too much. I know there's going to be movement and I do. I just kind of want to get one of these star players.
1: I think as a Colts fan, you have to ask yourself though. I mean, you guys haven't had a really solid quarterback since Andrew Luck retired. It's been a carousel of quarterbacks there do you see having Will Levis or Anthony Richardson as that next quarterback? And that's the issue that I've seen. I've seen it all over Twitter. I mean, I know the Colts like uh, Anthony Andrew- or Anthony Richardson. They're the new head coach in uh, Indianapolis. That kind of fits his mold. So you could theoretically, as the Colts say, we're not going to budge. We're going to stay at this four and even trade back. Because I mean, Richardson's not going to go until probably the mid first. And if that's going to be your guy, you got to be sold on that and not kind of go at it as, a, you know, I'm going to have to do this or have to do that. And I know they've these four quarterbacks in the draft. I mean, obviously, Bryce Young, generational talent. CJ Stroud, generational talent. But Will Levis and and Anthony Richardson, they're projects for sure. But you put them in the right system, the right pieces around them. I mean, who knows what they could do?
2: Just to put putting the Bears talk aside for the second. How how high do you think Richardson is going to go? Because the combine starts tomorrow. We're hitting this process where a guy like him. This is this is the time of year where he thrives, where we're not in the college football season. We're putting the emotions of the game and the week to week aside. We're just watching the tape. The physical attributes are going to stand out and we're coming off a Super Bowl where Jalen hurts second round pick athlete project guy. Richardson's just like maybe the best athlete project guy the league has ever seen. And so he he you're, you're right. I think at four, I think he's the one guy because I think Stroud might be off the board by that point. So I think he is the one guy that they could go, but do you see Richardson making a jump into the top three? Not into the
1: top three, not
2: a, not a shot. I mean, unless he absolutely goes
1: on fire and shows off that his decision making's better. He's got that deep ball and he's got the, you know, the ability to get out of the pocket. I mean, that's so huge in this game today is to be able to, I mean, don't get me wrong, though, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's and back when, you know, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees before they retired, the pocket passer was the the quarterback that you wanted game's changed and you got to change with it. If you're going to sit there and be like, well, I want that pocket guy. I want that Andrew Luck or that Peyton Manning looking back to the Colts. You're not going to, that's not going to be why you take Anthony Richardson. You're going to take him at four might be a stretch, but I mean, if you realize that that's your guy, you can trade down. As long as you get say above the Panthers and the Falcons and don't put more than four teams ahead of you that are looking for a quarterback. I think you could easily sit there and take Richardson middle of the first round. And I don't think it would be, I don't think it'd be crazy. I've seen crazier things happen. I also wouldn't be surprised if he drops to day day two. There's so much unknown at this point about him. I mean, He could totally flop at the combine. We have no idea. Got a lot of talent, but it's raw talent. And with raw talent comes a lot of question marks.
0: Yeah, and um, I guess getting back on the Bears talk, you guys have more than just the number one overall pick. You have seven other picks in this draft ranging from all kind I mean from every almost every single round I think. So uh what are some areas you're hoping that uh your team focus on in this upcoming draft?
1: Offensive line for sure. I mean Justin Fields is running for his life. I mean yes, he's a great mobile quarterback. Would like to see him stick around in the pocket a little bit longer and not feel like he's got 3 seconds to throw the ball. We're lucky that he's mobile. Um but the the issue that I find with the Bears draft picks is I did not like the trade for Chase Claypool. Moving that second round pick for yeah he's a good wide receiver he's put up solid numbers he's not going to change the game though and now that we are our second round pick I'm not even sure we have a second round pick and if we do it's the late uh later parks I think we have the Ravens second round pick from the Roquan um, Smith trade and I mean Ravens made the playoffs like 54 yep 54 yeah you go from 35 to 54 that's a huge drop in talent on day two so the fact that we have so many draft picks if we can hit on it i mean it gives us more options to you know hit on those guys in the you know day 3 where you want to have as many options as possible but when you're looking at people who are going to make an immediate impact having the 101 and then the 254 there's a lot that can go wrong in that and that scares me as a bears fan because we have so many holes on the offensive line on the defensive line linebackers special teams there's so many so many holes and that that scares me that we don't have a lot of early draft capital is coming here.
2: I throw one, f- another fake trade out at you. I think there is a team that's lingering here that, well, I'll, I guess I'll just throw the trade at you and then get into it. But the team that I actually think could make the move up to number one, that has the draft capital, the lions have the six pick and the 18 pick. And, you know, you start throwing in future seconds, whatever. The the problem is they're in your division. So you start getting into competitive stuff. Do you want to let him get up there? But I know they've committed to golf, but Stroud, I thought the national championship game, I thought that really just like enlightened the rest of the tape on his season where you kind of look back at it and go, this guy might actually be like kind of an underrated elite quarterback prospect who you can throw in and is kind of ready to go. And the Lions are a team that is really, really close. Their offensive line really improved this year. We know their weapons are good. Yeah, they still have holes on defense, but it's do we take two two guys, two rotation piece guys at 6 and 18 or do we just go get maybe a franchise guy in Stroud? I think they might actually have the capital to do it, whether or not they want to and whether or not you're in, you know, you want to let your division rival get the franchise guy is another thing.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one there. I mean, being at 6 and 18 that would be really great. You could still get the tackle from Northwestern. You might be able to go get, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State and reunite him with with Fields. I I like the idea of that. I don't like the idea of giving the Lions their franchise guy. I'm a big MCDC guy, Motor City Dan Campbell. Take out your knees. I'm all about his coaching style in in Detroit. And they've got the pieces. I mean, DeAndre Swift, great piece. Jamal Williams, insane this last year. His goal line ability... So good. And then Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown has shown great flashes uh, and could be an elite, you know, I mean, you talk about top 15 wide receivers. That's so interchangeable other than like the top, like three or four, but there's so many guys that have had really great seasons. And Amon Amon St. Brown is up there.
2: I think PFF had him like, like two or three in their rating.
1: Yeah. It's insane. I mean, he's got so much potential. He had a little bit of injury issues last year. I had him on one of my fantasy teams, kind of disappointing in that aspect, but when he's healthy and he's on the field, You give him a guy like C.J. Stroud or if they go Bryce Young, if they do trade up that one-on-one, man, that's tough. And especially in the division that we're in with an aging Kirk Cousins on the Vikings, possibly Jordan Love at the helm for the Packers. Don't I mean, I like that as a Bears fan because I think Jordan Love has been a disappointment. Um, But I think this is such a winnable division if we don't give our our rivals the assets to do it. And at that one-on-one, they're giving away a generational talent. So I would not as much as I would like to get the six and the, the 18, those two picks, I, I would say steer clear of that unless nobody else bites at the one-on-one.
2: With looking at your guys' division, kind of big picture like that, with especially now with the uncertainty with Green Bay, with quarterback, with what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, they've won the division eight out of the last 12 years, but it seems like that era is coming to an end. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's there in Minnesota, but we know there's a ceiling on that team. Detroit's won one playoff game in the last 60 years. So just as a franchise, like are as an organization, they're not really a threat. You guys have a hundred million dollars in cap space. You have this pick where you can, you know, do whatever you want with. You have fields as well. Do you see you being like super aggressive in free agency, spending a lot, kind of trying to do what the Eagles did? You know, you can't do the full rebuild, obviously that quickly in one season, but maybe like a mini version of it because. This team is really asset heavy. And like you said, I I actually think Fields is like if we're talking just big picture quarterback in the league, I think he is like at least athletically like a tier two quarterback, like tier one athlete, obviously, but just production like Lamar Jackson level, like tier two level. His rushing season last year was maybe the most statistically the best statistical season any Bears quarterback has put up. So you have that piece in place. And you have the ability to kind of just bring in a lot of veterans, do what the Jags did, you know, last year with Trevor Lawrence, bring in a lot of teams, surround him and just go, hey, like, just just be good this year. Like, we're forcing you to be good because the team's good. How aggressive do you see you guys being, especially looking at the landscape, seeing the division is maybe potentially winnable?
1: I think that's the biggest thing you have to look at. I mean, are we going to be in a position to win the division this year? If we go all in. I think a lot of that has to do with whether Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay, but I think if, if let's say, you know, we're looking at a division of Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins and Jordan Love hypothetically right now, Justin Fields is better than probably all three of them. I'd say on any day, I mean, Kirk Cousins shows flashes, at least higher ceiling. Exactly. He's got the potential, you know, you look at, you know, the Eagles when they went out and got AJ Brown, Jalen hurts was elevated. You look at Kyler Murray in Arizona you get DeAndre Hopkins gets elevated. You go out and uh, Christian Kirk too in, in Jacksonville. He's not obviously the tier of uh, D hop and uh, AJ Brown, but you get your young quarterback, a guy that they know that they can throw the ball up and they're going to come down with it. I mean, that's, a, that's a huge, huge thing. And I'm not sure what you know wide receivers are out there right now. I'm there. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster is the only one that's a free agent, but you know, with how quickly or for how cheap um, wide receivers go in the draft. I mean, we're DeAndre Hopkins was traded for, at what a third round pick and a half eaten Jimmy John sandwich like they got him for nothing. And I'm not saying we go out and get D Hop. I know he's on the block, but there are other wide receiver ones that are on the chopping block right now. Keenan Allen comes to mind in Los Angeles. He has I've loved Keenan Allen since he was drafted. I mean, a big fan of him with Philip Rivers and with Justin Herbert, but I've heard he's on the chopping block.
2: Pittman, Pittman for the Colts. I don't know if I'd want to put him with the 4 pick, but I would not be against moving Michael Pittman.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what you can get for him for a team like the Bears looking to get that big young guy that's going to elevate their offense. I think that's something the Colts should at least think about leveraging. And and you look at those, how well Jalen Hurts, I mean, he went took him to a, a Super Bowl. I mean, A.J. Brown is now his, you know, they are like this. They are tied together. I mean, there's a report that came out that A.J. Brown said, wherever Jalen Hurts goes, I'm going. They're a package deal now. And that's, I mean, that's, that's huge about quarterback chemistry. And I know Kyler Murray and D. Hop have had their issues with D. Hop, you know the suspension and Kyler Murray with the uh, Call of Duty double uh, XP weekends. But you you get your quarterback that that strong wide receiver one that's gonna be there for them and go up and get those underthrown balls or the ones that are way over their heads. That's gonna take your your offense to the next level. So uh, to answer your question, that looking back, yes, I want us to spend like crazy. I mean, there's so much. I mean, I I hope Saquon Barkley doesn't get tagged. In New New York, Leonard Fournette just got released. Kind of old, but old for a running back per se. But you bring a veteran talent in like that, who's played under Tom Brady for a couple of years, who played under Bruce Arians. That's bringing a lot of value to your your locker room for probably not a big cap hit. So when you look at other guys like Darren Payne and I think Tremaine Edmonds, Bills linebacker is also a free agent. You look at guys like that, give them the bag. You you have such a winnable division at this point. You've got a hundred million dollars in cap. Honestly, the salary cap is a joke. Look at the Rams; they don't. The salary cap doesn't exist in the NFL. I mean, it's there, but who really cares? If you're going to go all in, you have to full send it. There's no no half sends here with it.
2: And we know we know Fields is raw. Like I, you and me, we both can admit that. I think we're both Justin Fields guys, but we both know he's raw. He needs to grow. He needs to develop. But if you think he has a shot to be special, you have him on the rookie contract now and. I don't know how far down the road you can really start thinking with this stuff, but he is going to be a free agent in a couple years. You know, you're gonna have to give him some amount of money for the talent he's shown. I just don't know how far you can kick the can down the road with your team, like building. That's one of the reasons, like until this Jalen Carter news came out. If I was running the Bears, it would take a lot for me to have to give up Jalen Carter. Because if you're telling me I have A quarterback that I think can carry my team and I can get a defensive lineman who, I mean, all the quarterback stuff, Mahomes has been great over the Chiefs run, but Chris Jones has been dominant on that defensive line in Kansas City. Aaron Donald has been dominant in the Rams. One of those guys has been in the Super Bowl each of the last five years. If you're telling me you can add a guy like that on your defensive line, throw in Justin Fields, the quarterback asset, and like we said, maybe spend big, bring in the veterans have a competent team around him. Like you can actually do that this off season now with fields on the rookie contract, set him up to have a big third season. And I just, I wouldn't want to just like keep going, Hey, let's trade back. Let's get all the future stuff, the down the road stuff, because I do think th- with the rookie quarterback contract stuff, this team is uniquely positioned to at least give Justin Fields a shot.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing we have to think about, you know, with a quarterback on a rookie deal, He's got three years left. I mean, he's got two more on the rookie deal than that fifth year option. You either have to go all in now or start over because you're going to, if you decide to meet halfway between that and be like, Oh, we're going to go with Justin Fields, but we're not going to spend the money. We're not going to put the guys around him. You're not going to, you're not going to find success in that. I think if they want, if they don't find what they want in this you know, free agent class, if they're like, this isn't going to elevate our team to that next level, As much as it hurts, you ship Justin Fields and you get a new quarterback, you get Young or Stroud at the 101, and then you restart that five-year clock. The one thing I will say about Justin Fields' development is he's had two head coaches, two different head coaches in both years that he's been there. I think if he doesn't take that step this year, I think there's not much more left to imagine about it. You get two years under a head coach. Yes, it's Iberflus' first year and as a coach, never been a head coach before. But if you get, once you get two years under your belt with that head coach, that same offensive scheme, if you're still failing, if you're still struggling with it, I think then it's it's time to jump ship, especially if we give him the pieces. This year, an offensive line that's you know not dysfunctional, that isn't backups on other teams. You give him weapons around him that, you know, Darnell Mooney's great, don't get me wrong, not wide receiver one status by any means. So it's that weird interim phase right now where you have to decide whether Justin Fields, you're going all in on him and putting the pieces around him. Or if you want to actually restart this rebuild, trade Justin Fields for whatever monster package you could get for him. Because God knows there's so many teams out there that you offer Justin Fields to them. They're going to offer you assets in the future. And that's what you're going to look for if you want to draft a quarterback at the 101 and restart that five-year clock on your rookie quarterback.
0: And I did want to go back to something you mentioned earlier with the Chase Claypool trade. Yeah, I know you didn't like the performance so far from him and you did mention second round pick you know that they gave up for but you know my question to you would be like the bears weren't getting someone better than Chase Claypool in this draft in my opinion i don't know in the, in terms of a wide receiver um I, I i and i'm just wondering if you could give out maybe a little bit of hope for claypool this next season i'm a big proponent of guys having a whole off season to get the playbook, get together, you know, and actually run an offense, figure out what's going on. Cause even when he was with y'all, he was injured for two plus weeks. He was, he was out for two games with a shoulder injury. So it was very rocky. His start there, but are you going to put out a little bit of hope for Claypool? He did show some flashes. And when you look at who his quarterbacks were, it was Kenny Pickett and old Ben Roethlisberger, uh Mason Rudolph. I, I, I mean, I don't know if he's even still in the league. So, you know, Give my boy Claypool a little chance. I know he's a mess off the field, but I'm just saying, like, maybe give him a shot.
1: I mean, I'm all for giving him a shot. Don't get me wrong. But I just pulled up his his fantasy stats for this past year. And when he uh, got traded to the Bears week nine, the the best week that he had, he came in at wide receiver 59 on, the, on that week. I mean, since he, he traded week nine, wide receiver 60, 91, 79, 67, 59. Missed three weeks because of injury and a bye week. That's not guys who have that elite talent to be a top 20 guy, they show that more than once this past year, he was wide receiver six. That's the highest decline. And that was week six versus Tampa Bay. If you're gonna get a guy who is a wide receiver one caliber guy, you gotta do better than one time being in the top five. I mean, the statistics once he came to Chicago were abysmal. I mean, looking at his numbers, his Best game, he had five receptions in it and a fumble. So what's that say about the guy that you have out there? Maybe it's a new system that he's getting used to. Maybe the chemistry wasn't there. Maybe the Bears just didn't know how to throw the ball or that they were tanking. I mean, there's so many options out there right now that could have been the case. But I have not seen enough from Claypool this past season. I mean, since his rookie year, honestly, then that he actually showed up and and balled out. So I don't think I've got the faith in in Claypool at this point. He could prove me wrong. I'd very much like to see him prove me wrong. But at this rate, I don't see it happening.
2: The Steelers drafted Claypool 49th overall. And the the pick they got for him ended up being 33rd. They got positive returns on a guy that didn't get 500 receiving yards, had one receiving touchdown last year. So good deal for the Steelers. But if Jalen Hyatt, for some reason, just goes 33rd, you know, if the LSU wide receiver, Keyshawn Booty, if he falls, like if a guy like that who... At a time, we could considered a guy with wide receiver one talent. I don't think we've ever thought Claypool had wide receiver one talent. We thought he was a, a good receiver, but I don't think we've ever thought he was wide receiver one. You actually may be able to get a guy like that at 33. That's probably why it ends up being a bummer.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. There's so much talent you're going to see at at 33 that is going to surpass Claypool relatively quickly. But look at Brees Hall, for example, was taken at the the first first overall pick of the second round. Before he, you know, jacked up his knee, great, great value at that position. You can find great value, especially at that early second round. and and moving it for a guy who's already three years into the league, underproduced for two and a half out of those three years. he got a lot of, you know, street cred from his his first season where he actually showed up and balled out. But since then it's been a downhill slope. so you you're getting less return on that pick. and that that's a baffling move from the Bears at that point. I could have understood if it was the Ravens second round pick an end round one. That's what I thought it was when the, the trade initially dropped. Um, but once it came out that it was the, the bears second round pick, I mean, all my friends that are bears fans too, or just even fans of football were scratching our heads at that one.
2: The receiver, the wide receiver free agent class is kind of bleak this year, yeah. but maybe let's see if the, any of these names interest you, Marvin Jones. Nope. Julio Jones, then you're probably out on as well. Oh no, yeah,
1: no, not a shot. I don't want either of those guys, unless we're getting them on veterans minimum deals, and they're there for a locker room present.
2: Jacoby Myers is a guy that's kind of been
1: floating around. Kind of interesting. Yeah, he. I feel like he falls in the same category as Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. He's not number one. He's not going to be that guy. You put a bunch of you know two and three wide number wide receivers one and two or two and three out there, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed. So. He just it's a
2: lateral move, Pro- probably the same with Mac Hollins as well. Ja- it's not it's not like Jacoby Myers is going to score more touchdowns on the Bears than he is on the Patriots. So. Well, it wouldn't be hard. He scored like two touchdowns
1: for the Patriots. Oh, Man yeah. could not find the end zone for the two seasons. He was there or actually was relevant.
2: That's why that 33rd pick is good, though. I mean, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown was Debo Samuel taken in the second round. It just like it's the perfect spot to just get the help that Fields needs.
1: Exactly. And I, speaking of T Higgins, that's another trade that I've seen the bears going out and getting that guy. That's the guy that could elevate this wide receiver squad. If we can get him for that, you know, second or third round pick, like you would, you know, like the Eagles got for uh, AJ Brown, the Cardinals got for, for D hop T Higgins could be that guy. And I know there's a lot of criticism about her. Oh, he's only good because he's shadowed by Jamar chase. Have you looked at this man's stats? I mean, no, he's, he's crazy thousand yard seasons you know 75 85 catches per season get six seven touchdowns a season if not more great granted you got joe burr out there dropping bombs on him but yeah t higgins could totally elevate our offense and and be that 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 top guy that we're looking for
0: well i think uh Bengal's director of personal player personnel has a message for y'all and Today, pretty much said, find your own wide receiver. Boo. So go find your
1: own. Boo. I, mean, I don't know. It
0: might, it might be pretty hard to get T. Higgins out of the Bengals because you know.
1: I mean, if they don't they, trade they, for him, they're going to get him. He's not. Gonna, they're not going to resign him. There's no way they can resign Chase Burrow and yeah, their no, other no, you know younger defensive players as well. There's no way they're they're going to have to pick. And I guarantee you, there is no world out there that any general manager looks between paying Jamar Chase and paying T. Higgins and chooses T Higgins no shot
2: I think uh I think Kenny Galladay's available as well I think he's
1: available sure almost (laughs) as many touchdowns as Jacoby Myers I don't know I I I mean Kenny Galladay got his bag in New York and said I'm gonna take a nap that man has not shown up he caught his first touchdown in what three years in week 18 with I don't know, Mike Glennon throwing to him? It's not... uh, No, Kenny Galladay, there's... Man got his bag and said, I'm done.
2: I did want to ask if you have been following any of the drama with the Bears trying to leave Soldier Soldier Field at all, because a couple weeks ago, they've... I mean, in the Bears, it's a long history of them trying to exit out of Soldier Field. Soldier Field just... It's questionable. It's old. There's been (laughs) renovations. It is what it is at this this point, but they finalized a purchase for a raceway in Arlington Heights. And it seems like it's trending that way, but the city's making this like last ditch attempt. There's redesign efforts. There's new districts and transport centers. They're going to put in, they're going to dome the whole thing up. Do you think soldier field as a bears fan, is that still mean something to you? Because it is the oldest stadium in the league. It is, you know, it's been around for forever. I don't know if it's iconic to guys like us who are just NFL guys on the outside looking in but as a Bears fan is there still some connection to Soldier Field?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you look at I mean, I'm a Chicago sports fan through and through and you know, if the Cubs ever tried to leave Wrigley Field, I'd throw a fit. I don't feel the same way about Soldier Field. I I've been to Soldier Field several times in my life. It's cool. Parking's a nightmare it's you know not the nicest facility i mean it it does the trick you can play football in it um but when you look at what the proposal is for the arlington heights the old racetrack i mean it's it's a whole like shopping district it's a whole like bears utopia in one place and they're looking at having a dome there i know this chicago they've looked at putting a dome on soldier field i think that's huge because i would love to see a super bowl be played in chicago in my lifetime and that's not going to happen if there's no dome on the stadium you're not playing in chicago lake weather on february 5th or whatever in negative 10 degrees that's not that's not going to happen so I, I think there are for some older bears fans there is that you know sense of nostalgia with it i mean they've done a lot of renovations the whole concept behind soldier field honoring veterans and all that that's a very touching memorial to to the veterans that served our country but at what point are you just losing money on the facility and it's time to reinvest. And if you're really wanting, this kind of goes back to you know rebuilding the Bears and making them that franchise again. Investing in the surrounding area is just as big as investing in your team. Because if you've got a great team, and you have facilities that are you know C C minus D plus grade, it's going to counteract it, and you're not going to have a fun time if you're sitting out there watching this great team, but the facilities suck, the food suck, the parking
2: sucks. And not not to diss on Soldier Field here. Again, it is like it's an iconic venue. It's the oldest NFL stadium, been around for almost a hundred years at this point. But at, at the end of the day, these these arenas, these venues, they are supposed to be, they're supposed to be good for the city. They're supposed to help the city. And Soldier Field, like you said, it just it doesn't, it just kind of falls short of that. Like they can't get a Super Bowl there. The renovations are cool like the the dome it's see-through I like the idea building the area out around it as well it's a trend like you said the proposal for Arlington Heights is amazing but we've seen it like sweeping across the league as well you look at what the Rams did out in Englewood with that whole complex they put out there and if you're Chicago you're what the third fourth biggest city in America like you should be hosting the Super Bowl when these big like events these artists when they want to come through like Chicago should just be on the list the biggest ven- there should just be a 70,000 seat arena in Chicago that the biggest artists can come play, that they can just do these big events in. And to be honest, just these venues that they're putting out around it, it's, it's really cool. Like they're putting the shops there, the stores that they're developing with all the residential stuff out around. There. I get there's, you know, money and economics going on in there as well, politics involved. But these things are cool and it seems like it could just bring an element to the city that, you know. It just seems like Soldier Field, even with the concepts that they're putting out there, just fall short of.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, when you look at, you know, concerts and said, yes, Soldier Field has summer concerts. Wrigley Field has summer concerts. United Center any is the only place that can hold a concert in the city of Chicago. That's a big venue from the months of September until April, May, because you don't want to. I mean, you don't want to schedule an outdoor concert when you're going to get rained on. No, no artist is going to want to do that. No touring show is going to want to do that. You have a, like you said, a uh, 70,000 seat, you know, stadium that's right outside the city. You're going to, I mean, the amount of reinvestment from concerts and other shows coming to those, those locations, it should be, I mean, that should be the ultimate goal is to make your stadium the destination for your city, whether that be for tourism, you know, economic reasons, it should be the goal to have that be a place that you say, I've been there, or I want to go there. Soldier Field just doesn't. I would have been, you know, had I not been a Bears fan, I would have been content standing outside of it, looking at it and being like, yep, there it is.
0: And it definitely seems like it's a little too little, too late. Um, I mean, with, like you mentioned, Ram, uh, the pretty much the Bears have confirmed that they're buying the 326 plot in Arlington. So, you know, that that's not going to be another training facility. And, you know, we like keeping stuff on sports here. But, you know, the politics kind of do matter in this situation because, you know, Mayor Lightfoot is not the mayor anymore. And it was her. I mean, she was a big part of trying to get this two point two billion dollar renovation. So that has to be put in the equation that, you know, not only are they almost most likely going leaving, but the plans to keep them around may not even be exist in like a couple days. So it's definitely uh, seeming like the Bears are out of town.
2: And if you just look at like Chicago as a city, as a top five city in the U.S., like the next couple of years, the U.S. is going to get some big stuff. Like the World Cup is coming to North America. I think, you know, Summer Olympics and it's L.A., New York, Chicago, just as a city. I don't think they're up there with those but i i mean they very well could be size wise economically like they should they could be competing with these things just from like can we get the biggest things not just not just in the country but really just in the world like can we get the world to come here like it it hasn't been that in 100 years since they were doing world fairs in the city but like you get that sort of thing going on and it's arlington heights but it's going to help Chicago and it, at least you're going to be in the conversation as a city with these other big ones when you really just should be in the first place.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you made a good point. We're a top five you know, city destination in the country. If we're not competing in these things, in these, you know, World Cup, you know, Olympics, whatever it may be, even in the Super Bowl run, we're not going to keep up. We should be that destination that drives a free agent talent, I mean, if you have a nice brand new stadium, a turf that's not going to tear your knee up or real grass, whatever it is, those are huge selling points for players to want to come to your city. If they know they're coming and they're playing in a rundown stadium with an owner that doesn't care about spending money, that's not going to bring bring talent to your city, that's not going to bring economic success, and it's just a recipe for, for mediocrity.
2: You said you said you're uh Chicago's fan through and through. I'm yeah. assuming you're a Cubs fan as well. You follow baseball. Yep.
1: Big Cubs fan. Yeah. Cubs, Bulls, Celtics in Boston. I mean, I follow the Bulls, but I'm more of a Celtics fan. That's because I have fan, uh, family in Boston. But I mean, yeah, Bears, Bulls, a little bit of Blackhawks. I couldn't talk hockey for the life of me, but it's fun to watch.
2: <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing you have thoughts on these like sweeping rule changes going on in baseball because neither of us are baseball fans here. Mm. It, sports podcast. It never comes up you know, it's been the third sport in America for a while, but I feel like, you know, with the World Cup coming with the popularity of soccer, UFC on the rise, you Mm -hmm. know, there may be other things in the wings ready to claim that third spot, the third spot in the sports hierarchy, but the pitch counts coming in this year, Mm -hmm. that seems like, you know, shortening the game seems like the first thing you'd want to do to get that back. At least if you're like putting, at least that's what you're telling people. That's the statement you're putting out there. But Do you think the pitch count is going to, do you think even just shortening the games in general is really going to be beneficial to just bringing baseball back?
1: I I don't. I really don't. Because my thing is if I'm going to buy a ticket to a a couple and getting a Wrigley beer, you know, paying an egregious amount of price, you know, money for these things, and I like to be in that atmosphere. Maybe that's just me, but being able to enjoy the stadium is is half the fun of it. I mean, the baseball game is fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun watching it. It's a slow game. It's America's pastime. It's not meant to be fast-paced, go, 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 like our brains want, like it is with football or basketball, for example. And, you know, a lot of young people's brains are like, I need stimulation. I need something every two seconds. Being able to just sit in a baseball stadium, drinking your beer, eating a hot dog, enjoying the 95 degree sun, you know, blasting down on you, there's something to be said about that. And I think the pitch count, isn't going to sell tickets. It's just going to get people in the stadium for less time. And I don't, I think it's to the, the the league. They're getting more bang for their buck by doing it. They're like, okay, you know, we implement this pitch clock. The time of the games go down. People are going to be, you know, wanting to spend that extra time at the stadium. And if they're only getting two and a half hours with a game, that's going to, they're going to butt that either at the front of the game or the end of the game of sticking around, spending more money in the fan shops, getting food because they want the fan wants the bang for their buck. I I see, you know, $150 ticket. I look at that as, okay, I'll probably be there three hours. That's $50 an hour. Is that really worth my time? That's just the way that I look at it. And if I'm only getting two hours out of that, that makes my hour $75 an hour. Is that worth my time? Or would I rather sit at home and watch it on my couch, not have to spend money on parking for me being, you know, in the Quad Cities, driving three hours? There's a lot more benefits to just watching it from home and then being able to do something right after the game.
0: I know with adding new rules to sports, it's always weird figuring out the kinks and all that. And like you mentioned with the pitch clock, um, what do you I mean, how on a scale of one to 10, how mad would you be if your team lost a game like the Astros did with the spring training because of the pitch clock? Because it's all fun in theory to think about it. And all this is great for the kids. But, you know, we have a similar thing, you know, to bring it to NBA, where we have now the challenges, and that can really, like, bog down even more late-game situations, you know, more instant replay with football. So, I definitely, what what are, do you think they should just get rid of the pitch clock? Are you happy it's part of the sport? Like, where, where are you on it right now?
1: I think with just seeing it implemented within the first couple of spring training games, it's got a lot of kinks that need to be worked out. And I know they've tried it in the minor leagues, and they've worked out some kinks there, but I, I certainly think it's not the the final answer to to bringing baseball back to to what it is. I mean, we've seen it in the last couple of years with the shift as well. They tried it; it got a lot of hate, and I know no one likes change, especially when it comes to you know America's oldest sport. Um, and they they they've worked on it. Like the shift is now they're like, okay, we were too extreme. Let's let's walk it back a little bit. Maybe with the pitch clock, they realize, okay, twenty seconds, maybe that's a little uh, too short of a time maybe they try 25 30 whatever it may be as long as they keep adjusting what they're doing and not get complacent with it i think it's it'll it'll eventually benefit the game as of right now i'm about as neutral as you can get split down the middle on it i don't have an opinion i want to wait and see it in games that count i love spring training cuz you get to see all the minor leaguers and the prospects and stuff play don't get me wrong but you're until you see these new rules in action in games that count i mean you that the first time that that you know, pitch clock decides a game in when it matters is going to be absolute outrage. I mean, imagine, you know, game one you're playing for that final playoff spot and your pitcher can't get the sign. They've already stepped off the mound twice. They can't do it again. Oh, it's a full count bases loaded, whatever it may be. And that pitch clock expires. Every fan is going to be in arms. If their team loses out on a division title, uh, Uh, making the playoffs at all, or if it's in the playoffs for that matter, it's it's just going to lead to fans being upset if they don't get a handle on it at this point.
2: And if I'm just a league and I'm, you know, looking at changing rules, looking at, you know, affecting the way the game is played, why as a league would you do that? And you want to make it a better product, obviously, but what I think really makes a league a better product is just the stars of the league. And if you're making rule changes and you're, you're just changing the way the game is played, it should be to, you know, how can we make the stars of the league shine? Because we've seen the NFL make rule changes. We've seen the NBA make rule changes. And these things are all like pace spacing in the NFL. We want the quarterback to be protected. We want, we want them to shut. We want the stars of the league to be able to have the best performance, best performances possible. and, the pitch count, you know, it makes the game shorter, easier to watch. But I don't know how it increases the star power of the league. I don't know how it affects the star players in the game. I don't know how it makes them more effective. If I'm baseball and I'm actually trying to grow, I'm I'm like, let's increase the star power of the league, because I thought that's what happened last year. I thought the video game made a big push. I thought, you know, people are following this stuff for the cards, fantasy baseball, ESPN and TBS were really pushing their programming. And if it just felt like there was a lot of young players emerging and it just feels, it feels like with any of this stuff, the stars are going to drive the league. And if you're baseball, I just think you have to look around and go, how do we make our stars shine? And I don't think the pitch count directly affects that, but again, I don't watch baseball.
1: Yeah. It it doesn't directly affect that. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, I think the biggest issue with these rule changes is the shift. I mean, looking at the Cubs offseason, they went out and signed Cody Bellinger, former MVP. He was MVP in 2019. Absolutely raked. 2020 was the year that they really implemented the big shift, being able to put five infielders on one side. His numbers went down the drain. He was a star with the Dodgers and he's, there's plenty of other examples of players that have been really impacted by the shift. And Yes, it, defensively, makes sense. You want to get the guys out. But if I'm a fan, I want to see home runs. I want to see players getting hits. I want to see offense. And the shift takes that away. It takes away the star power like you were talking about. Granted, some of the best hitters in baseball like Mike Trout or you know Shohei Otani, on, both on the Angels. Don't get me started on the Angels because they're the most dumpster fire franchise I've ever seen um, with all the talent that they have and they've missed the playoffs seven years in a row. But don't let me get started on that. There are, you know, the top tier players, they're going to figure out the shift. They're going to figure out how to hit it the other way or hit it outside the shift. But that's going to take the elite of the elite to do that. And there's not that many crazy elite level players like that. There's a lot of great players. I mean, all these professionals, you know, players obviously belong in the league. But when you start implementing rules that are going against their, their ability to play the game that they grew up and changing their entire approach, 15 years into playing, I mean, God, these guys have been playing since they were probably like seven, eight, nine years old and they've had the same approach for, for 15 years. You're not going to see results. You're going to see more outs. You're going to see upset fans because they're watching their favorite guy go over three with three ground outs that, you know, three years ago would have been, you know, doubles down the line or, you know, RBI singles or stuff like that. So it, it seems like the, the way the game is going in baseball right now is more for, the brand of baseball than it is for the fans
0: and um i guess moving on to another thing you're a fan of similar to me former university of iowa student and an alum and this past weekend a huge moment for the iowa or i don't know if it was on the weekend but during the week uh, iowa women's basketball team Mm -hmm. as espn came to town it was a big moment, big game against Indiana, and it, I mean, Caitlin Clark performed, a huge buzzer beater, you know, but huge moment, and, um, you know, just, I mean, how, how excited are you right now? I know you mentioned you're going to the tournament game, so you're going to see them in person. How how excited are you to watch the, the women's team who's, like, right now near the top of the sport
1: oh i'm so excited i mean i bought my ticket earlier today once i found out my shift for this weekend because i wasn't going to go if i had to be at work at three in the morning on saturday i'm not about to go to a game at 5 30 in minneapolis on friday and then turn around and drive home and go straight to work but i mean they've been absolutely insane i mean caitlin clark is unreal if she doesn't win player of the year that's going to be the biggest snub in probably any voting for player of the year mvp whatever it may be I mean, she gets a lot of, uh, not a lot, but, you know, there's slack for being in the big 10. And, you know, if you're not on South Carolina, you're not, you know, considered to be the top tier, but you look at her numbers and nobody compares whatsoever for for what she means to that team. Uh, I think in the last, the last game against Indiana, the announcers made a comment that was like, when Caitlin Clark isn't on the floor, the Iowa team slows down. their possessions last longer because they don't have their top scoring option out there. Caitlin Clark is what an MVP, a most valuable player. If she is not out there, they are not performing to their peak. She elevates that team to an elite level that could make a run in, in March Madness. I mean, there's a lot of great teams in, in on the women's side of of college basketball, don't get me wrong. But Indiana, that win against Indiana, is huge for our confidence going into the Big Ten tournament and going into to March Madness. So I'm very excited to see See what what comes out of you know the Big Ten tournament and and how Caitlin Clark continues to elevate his team.
2: Is she legitimately the best player in college basketball right now? Because I, there have been great women college basketball players years. Pat Brianna Stewart has dominated at UConn. Like they've had you know girls go through there and just win national title after national title. But it seems like the guys have always had a star that's just been the biggest star. Like even in recent years, like Zion whatever but this year the two biggest guys at least from the draft perspective are overseas and in the g league so college doesn't really have like at least the guys don't really have like one guy that like really shines as a star but like you said caitlin clark has just been amazing like i get Aliyah boston at south carolina is great i think caitlin clark is second in the nation in scoring for the women so there's a chick at villanova i think that is first, you know, she's playing well this year, but Halen Clark just every night, triple doubles. Like she's been dominant this year. And I think you could legitimately make a case across all of college basketball that she is the best player playing right now.
1: Oh, hands down. I mean, they don't call her logo Clark for no reason. I mean, she has the range. She's been compared to Steph Curry. I think in every broadcast that I've watched of the women's basketball, at least one time in the game, there is some graphic they've created where they compare Steph Curry to Caitlin Clark. She is Unbelievable lights out behind the three point line, but that's not all she does. She's out there leading the Big Ten, I believe, in rebounding. I think she averages almost nine rebounds a game. She's got almost eight or nine assists per game. Like if you're averaging a almost averaging a triple double, clearly you're doing something right. There are not a lot of players that are averaging triple doubles at the efficiency that sees she's doing it. I mean, you got guys in the NBA like Russell Westbrook, for example. He was recording triple doubles like crazy, so inefficient with it. His teams weren't winning. He's out there shooting the the rock 35 times. Yes, he's making 20 of them for 40, 45 points, whatever it is. That's not efficient. Less than, I mean, let's see. That would have been like 60-some percent. He's shooting 15 of of 40 or whatever it may be. Shooting 33% from the field. Like, yeah, he's dropping crazy numbers, but it's not efficient. You look at Caitlin Clark and she is the definition of efficient and the definition of a team player. And when you look at, you know, Aaliyah Boston in, in South Carolina, for example, I think she's the biggest contender with Caitlin Clark for player of the year. Don't get me wrong. South Carolina is absolutely insane. The fact that they're, I was looking at the the um, future, future bets for the the tournament and there's one team that has um, their, South Carolina's minus 145 to win it. Everyone else is like plus three, plus 400 to win it. You never see a team that is so favored as South Carolina is. And that's because of Aaliyah Boston. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to how much you elevate your own team, for Leah Boston goes down. There are other players that are going to step up on South Carolina that make them legit contenders. Caitlin Clark goes down, God forbid, knock on wood. I don't think Monica Susano is gonna be that next, next, next woman up mentality.
0: And just to throw some stats to put it in perspective, because Iowa got a great bunch of stats, you know, Eclipse, 2,000 career points in her 75th career game, ties for fastest NCAA Division one women's basketball player to do so. But I think the most interesting thing, just looking at the stats she has, is it's not just scoring. I mean, like you mentioned, the career triple doubles. She has nine of them, a new Big Ten record for most in a career, and the second most for NCAA women's history. Uh, basketball history she leads the country in games with 25 or more points five or more rebounds or five or more assists and that's that's country the, like men's and women's she's done that 15 times this year which is an NCAA best and you know it's just I mean and last thing I mean she's just been consistent throughout her you know her whole time her whole career has a streak of scoring in double figures and, and for and 81 straight games, another division one best. So, like you mentioned, I mean, I mean, she's breaking her own records, you know, had a career high or season high, 45 points, six boards, and four assists. Um, you know, a new carver, a Hawkeye Arena record, breaking her own um from last season. So, I mean, she's just getting better and all assets of the game. And like, like you mentioned, you know, just MVP for the team and you know, it's always great to see a Hawkeye shine, and she's definitely shiny right now. So it's it's wild. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how that trip goes. That's seeing her in person, that that's gotta be crazy. Oh,
1: I know, I'm super excited. And the thing is they're all general admission tickets. So it's the earlier you get there for the game, the better the ticket you get. So for 36, I mean it was $18 for the ticket and then like $18 worth of fees. But for 36 bucks for the chance to get there early and sit relatively close to court side and see, you know, Caitlin Clark and that entire you know women's team play not going to turn down that opportunity because it's funny um, talking about prices of tickets because for the Iowa, Indiana game and sold out for like three weeks, the cheapest ticket was like $149 for that game. The most expensive was like $1,100 to see what could be another matchup pretty similar to Indiana, Iowa for 36 bucks in a hotel. I you'd be stupid to turn that down.
2: Iowa. We're, we're, we're putting out the athletes sneakily. Like they're sneaking into these leagues now. You know, Marcus Page was our first attempt. He hits the shot at North Carolina. Doesn't really like have the professional career. Great college player, but the Murray twins now. Keegan Murray's having, he's dominant. You know, he seems like he's going to be a good young piece in the NBA. Chris Murray's probably going to be a first round draft pick. Megan Gustafson to go back a couple years for Iowa basketball. Now, Caitlin Clark, Luca Garza as well. So, you know, we're kind of starting to put out these players now that are getting into the league, making impact. and. Caitlin Clark's the best one of all of them. She might actually be like a real star player coming out of Iowa.
1: Yeah, one thing, maybe Samson, you can look this up. I don't know, do they do WNBA mock drafts? Because I thought the same thing when Megan Gustafson was on Iowa. And she was the best player in the country at the time too. Not Caitlin Clark level, don't get me wrong. But she dropped to like the second round or maybe she went undrafted and then she's bounced around from team to team. I'm, I'm starting to wonder what the perspective is with Caitlin Clark. And where she could go in the WNBA? I don't follow the WNBA at all. I think it's a great league. Don't get me wrong, but I couldn't tell you one thing about a team in the WNBA other than I think Brittany Griner just signed a new contract with the Phoenix Sky. Maybe I don't know what their team is.
2: Um, is she? She's a senior. Uh, like, is she definitely gone? Uh, no, she's got one more year. I'm pretty sure because she didn't.
0: Yeah, she's got one more year. Right now, she's actually projected to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft over okay. Paige so, you know Really? Boom. Okay. Boom. Over Paige, over Paige. Hasn't Paige been know. out
1: with, like, she hasn't been healthy in, like, yeah, two years? Year. Yeah, she's been out this her- year. She's been
0: hurt.
1: Yeah. But yeah, still, I mean, that. that's that's reassuring to see that, you know, that yeah. they think that her talent's going to translate from the college level to the NBA. And I think that's what we – I mean, with Luca Garza and Megan Gustafson for the most recent ones, they – I mean, both won – Big Ten Player of the Year. I'm pretty sure,
2: or at least top three, in yeah. voting for it.
1: Luca has had. I mean, his- Luca
2: Garza was National Player of the Year, so he better yeah. won Big Ten Player of the Year all here. time,
1: I right? But the thing is, he didn't translate to the NBA at all. I mean, he wasn't drafted high. He's playing. I'm pretty sure he's on a two-way contract with the Timberwolves and the Iowa Timberwolves right now. And Megan Gustafson, I'm not even sure she's on a team. So it's it's so interesting to see that the the scouts really do see that Caitlin Clark, if she's projected to be the one on one at this point. I, I think that's that's huge for um, for her career and for what she's done for for women's basketball.
2: I know Luca Garza wouldn't last in the NBA. Like if you yeah. give him big minutes, he's not like going to put up big numbers. But per thirty six right now, he has twenty seven points a game, so he's balling.
0: With the on the in the G League or. Oh, in the NBA. Oh, NBA, 27. All right. That's surprising. Yeah,
1: those per 36 stats can be kind of misleading, though, because if he's only playing, you know,
0: four minutes a game,
1: yeah, he might be scoring a couple buckets.
2: He's scoring seven points in nine minutes.
0: Let Garza
1: cook. Let Garza cook. Get that on a T-shirt, print it, send it, sell it.
0: Also, it's a non-football player or non-basketball player, but also shout out Tristan Wirfs, Super Bowl. Uh, champion but yeah um also shout out to the rest of the Iowa team like you mentioned Monica not gonna butcher her last name is also on the all for all first team for a uh, big 10 and of course Claitlin, Caitlin Clark is the player of the year and then um Hannah Stol- Stolke yeah right? she's a freshman <laughs> she's
1: been playing yeah, pretty well too. She's, of the year. yeah she's got some some good you know big shoes to fill ahead of her but I think she she can figure out how to shoot a free throw um i think she's gonna she's gonna do real well with this io team
0: all righty well i i don't think i have anything else on the agenda so uh anything you want to shout out danny of course we want to promote anything you got going on you know uh, you know
1: i'm just happy to be uh asked to be on the podcast i kind of forgot about it before you mentioned it to me a couple days ago but it's great to talk you know football again talk all sports i mean i've got my group chat on with all my fantasy football guys but honestly, that group chat's gone way downhill at this point. And it's just a memes and honestly, just a bunch of trash posts in there. I haven't muted at this point. So it's been great to to talk sports with you guys and especially pick a Colts fan, uh, Colts fans brain on the the draft and whatnot seeing what you want to have happen uh, coming up in a in a couple of months. So I'm very happy to be on the podcast with you guys. Thank you.
2: You know, Sam told me that he was getting a friend from work. So, you know, I don't know who's coming in, but he's telling me you're moving up in the world, anchor positions, you're behind a desk. He didn't tell me we were getting a true professional. So this is a big honor for us. Historic episode, like Sam said at the top. So thanks for coming on, Danny. This was, this was amazing. This was so fun.
1: I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah.
0: Don't be a stranger.
1: Yeah. I don't know. He might be hyping me up a little bit more than I deserve. I complain a lot behind the scenes, but uh, you know, we get the job done and it's, uh, it's a team effort. I feel like I'm in an interview right now for a you know it's great job out there we did real good as a team it's a team effort i couldn't yeah. do it without my coworkers and you know everyone else supporting me throughout the years but no it's been it's been a blast and i i feel like i got a good career ahead of me not to toot my own horn but toot toot
0: well that was great i think we both agree having danny on you know, great to have, you know, different voice from straight from the horse's mouth. You heard it, people. We're not guessing here. We go straight to the source. Uh, but moving on, NBA still rolling along. The season's rolling along, but the wins aren't rolling along for a certain team. The Los Angeles Lakers, right? You know what? I'm feeling like first take. Is the season over for L.A.? I mean, with LeBron and 80 both out now. Let's just we'll just
2: turn it. We'll just full commit and just turn into first take here. Is the is the season done for LeBron? Because I don't want to be a downer, but you look at the injury, typically like an ankle foot injury. You think like you roll his ankle or something. It's not really a contact injury. He just kind of plants. He goes down. He's holding, you know, bottom of the foot, like back of the ankle, like Achilles tendon kind of area. They haven't released like crazy amount of details on what the injury is. It's a foot injury. It's a vague timeline on when he's expected to come back, you know, few weeks, he's going to miss some time. I just, I, he's in the boot. I I don't know if this injury is actually a little more serious now. And maybe there's just a bigger basketball karma thing at work here where he just passed the scoring record. He's kind of been, you know, he's had his struggles with health, health the last couple of seasons, but He's kind of been healthy the whole run. And who knows if it just mentally, who knows what happened, but the season might not just be over for the
0: Lakers. Is the king himself done? Has Mufasa is the are the the gazelles, they're coming. And it, it's so sad because it's another prime LeBron year wasted. And when you look at LeBron's last couple of years, it's actually kind of sad how they've gone. You know, how how they've progressed with, you know, the Lakers not giving, you know, ever since that pretty much that bubble, uh, bubble playoff where he gets that rest, the team's still around him pretty much healthy. You know, they've had a pretty uh rough road in the postseason, if they even make it there. When you look at the last couple of years, just pulling it up right now. Yeah, I mean, you have with last year, 2021, when the last time they were in the playoffs. You know, they have to fight through the Warriors in a really close game. I mean, LeBron seen three rims, and then they have that six-game series against Phoenix, and that's the last time LeBron played an NBA in the in the playoffs. And I'm not, you know, maybe there's some time with the Cavs, you know, there, there were a couple of years there, stretches where he wasn't making the playoffs. But this is probably since his first early stretch with the Cavs, you know, this is probably the longest time he's been out of the playoffs. You know, don't quote me on that, but it definitely feels like it. The worry, most worrying part is AD. It's not even that LeBron got hurt because we know he can come back. Anthony Davis, he injured the same injury. He re-aggravated the same injury on that right foot. It looks like both LeBron and AD are dealing with right foot injuries. And at this point, like, is there any way to defend AD at this point and defend him still being on the Lakers? I mean, what's the point of having him on the team if he never plays?
2: Well, the point is when he plays, you know, he's Anthony Davis. He is one of the eight best players in the league when he's fully at his peak. And especially on this roster, the way it's been built the last couple of years where they just haven't had the guys. There's no depth on this team. They've been searching for that third star. They've been giving away too many assets to do it. The team's been depleted so you know the reason people have been excited about this lakers roster after the trade deadline is this is weirdly one of the deepest rosters they've had in the lebron run just in terms of name value name value guys on the team but when the guys aren't there you rely on your stars and when your stars are two of the eight best guys in the league at their peak like you get in certain situations and it really does win you the title like the bubble season was special it was a very unique set of circumstances. You know, J.J. Adande has the great point where he gets the break between the regular season and the start of the bubble. LeBron gets the break. He gets to recharge. It's in that weird sort of tournament, almost like basketball gladiator style setting. And who's the best basketball gladiator? You know, LeBron James is the best basketball player maybe of all time. Put him in- on there with peak Anthony Davis, who he too also got a break. He got to get healthy. He got to get geared up. Like, in certain situations, it does work out, but in the four years that LeBron has been there now, I, I one, two, three, four years, five, for five years now that LeBron has been there, yeah. they've only been in the playoffs two times, 27 games in five years. And, you know, he missed the playoff playoffs, his rookie season in Cleveland, but, you know, he's, right after that, like, 06, 07, he's dragging that team to the finals. Like, he's still able to get deep runs out of this. And the fact that, Like you were saying, we haven't seen LeBron at those like high level basketball games like he's been in the playoffs again two times in the last five years, 27 playoff games. That includes them winning the title. So six playoff games in the four years that they didn't win the title for LeBron James on the Lakers is kind of crazy. But when you have the two guys at their peak, it kind of works out. But I I just the fact that we haven't seen LeBron like he's at the peak at the high level is Been really just kind of the whole letdown of this whole Lakers thing.
0: I mean, of course, because it's L.A., there's a pressure to have the stars. You can't really tank in L.A. You know, of course, they did back in the day. But, you know, they're and they got constantly berated for it. Um, But, you know, so obviously you can't just throw away LeBron and 80. But, you know, it's still worrying to see how often they get injured. You know, LeBron's just being older. That's just how it goes. Um, you know, especially with it being a non-contact injury. You know, he did play through the rest of the game, but that's just parts of being old. And with AD, we've seen this happen time and time again. And right now the Lakers are fighting for their playoff lives. And of course, tonight was a big game. And thankfully for the Lakers, SGA isn't playing. So they're up by six right now on Wednesday night. And they, they I mean, like you mentioned, that depth is definitely helping them right now. And the weird part is that like, you know, Russell Westbrook would kind of help in this kind of situation on this team. You know, as much crap as we want to give him, you know, he gives you, he raises your floor when you have no one else. So, you know, I, I take that for what it's worth. We try to get Westbrook out of LA so much and now, now he's gone. It's like, oh, maybe we should have kept him. And that's, that's a weird dynamic. But it's just personally for me, it's sad to see what I consider the GOAT have another season go down the drain. And uh of course he had his achievements, you know, he, he hit his marks, you know, in terms of being the greatest scorer of all time. And um, you know, he's just, uh it's, I, I don't know where you go from here from now. Cause it's, I mean, how many, how long do we keep hoping that 80 goes back to what he was? Because especially with big men, once you get the feet and the knees and those injuries happen over and over it's very rare that they come back and they're just flying and it just never happens again.
2: I mean, we just went through 12 months of this on this pod. So I, you know, sometimes we get into playing the hits here. I don't necessarily want to start playing the hits, but you look at the roster situation, are we headed for another 12 months of should the Lakers trade Anthony Davis? Because You look next off season, you know, he's going to be two years left on the contract with that last year being a player option. Beasley has a team option so he could still be around. LeBron could still be around. Vanderbilt will still be there. You know, those still have some of the pieces in place. You move Davis, you get the piece. I don't know if that's where this is headed right now, but especially if the LeBron thing lingers a little longer than people think, if, lebron's injury is worse and you know we just hope that they get a play-in spot at this point just to see any kind of lebron in any kind of game with some stakes on it but if this thing lingers and they just lose too many games they miss the play on game if we don't see lebron the, the rest of the season i don't know if this might be secretly the end of this lebron davis duo because like th- the star thing, it worked, it got the title, but are we far enough away from it at this point? Like you said, the question marks maybe have just built up to the point where it feels like it's just time to separate these guys.
0: Yeah, and, you know, another thing that is kind of brooding, you know, in the back of everyone's minds, um, of course, with this whole situation, is Bronny, you know, Bronny coming to the league in a couple of years. And, you know, I wanted to do a little check-in with, LeBron James kids, and you know, ESPN and all these other guys are starting to hype Bronny, put him as a top ten pick, and you know, maybe if the Lakers keep tanking, they might be in position to get him anyways. And it, I mean, it looks over the last couple couple of months, there it seems like Bronny's stock has been really rising. Um, the people mentioning that he's you know a four star prospect, a good player in his own right. You know, combo guard, playmaker, solid score, you know, gives effort on defense, um, you know, and not really the highest peaks, but I kind of wanted to plant my flag early on a take, early here before anyone gets to it. Look out. Here we go. Hot take, Timmy. Turn on the Instagram reel camera. Get it rolling. Bryce will be a better NBA player than Bronny. And I have mentioned this beforehand. This has been something that, you know, I've hinted at before and I'm I'm standing by it. And it's not just him being 6'6". I, I definitely am. And, and this is something that, you know, Bill Simmons has enlightened me to as well is the younger brother complex, you know, having to play against your older brother all the time in basketball. And then the younger brother gets that growth spurt fills out and then doesn't have to, you know, still has all those skills for being the smaller one being the one pushing around, but he's the bigger one. And I, I think that, you know, Bronny's ups uh, side is still, I mean, it's still pretty high. People are considering him, you know, comps to, you know, uh, maybe an elite Avery Bradley or, you know, even Marcus smart. I saw a little there, you know, better three pointer, not as good defender, smart, but I really feel that Bronny could I mean, he's still growing and he's at 6'6". I think he could really grow into almost a prototype similar to his dad if he has the same vision same scoring. And, you know, this is a guy obviously in the gym all the time. And the thing that kind of sucks with basketball is that, you know, if you're at a certain height, the tangibles matter. You want to, of course, give credit to, you know, Bronny, six three, smaller, you know. But sometimes height is, I mean, sometimes six three and six three, there is a difference, and it's kind of just is. And there's a high chance Rice will get bigger, and I mean, there has been. He's shown flashes as well, and I'm, I'm kind of playing my fact. I did it with uh Lamelo over Leangelo over Alonzo. I, I was thinking, you know, Lamelo could be in the league two years earlier. And I'm doing the same thing with Bryce. We're we're planting the flag. Uh, I've seen the clips. I've seen him. I mean, okay, he's starting to look same, similar build to his dad. And I think that combined with you know, I think he's a. Little, of course, he's you know has all the resources. Has you know the you know the genius of his dad. You know, obviously helping him with his game. And I definitely think that you know, while Braun LeBron may not play with him, he will end up being. The surefire top five lottery pick, maybe even number one overall pick. Unlike his brother, who's looking to be like a late lottery, um, late lottery pick right now.
2: How old is Bryce James right now? Because Bronny's a senior. I right? Bronny, if he if he's really good, if he just I, he is really good, and he continues to grow as a player. And like you said, the comps and the names that have been floated out for his game, those continue to get better and better. It seems like his skill set with where the league's going, you know, it's becoming more valuable. So his stock continues to rise, but is Bryce close enough where, you know, who knows what the NBA's rules look like a couple of years down the road. If they start tweaking the draft rules, if Bryce, like you said, is this just, if he is really, really good top level talent, maybe he skips high school. Maybe he's closer to playing in the NBA than we think. How old, do you know how old he is right now? Like how is Is there a chance that
0: he's 15 years old and his official sophomore season mixtape just dropped? So, you know, all the reviews are through the roof right now. And, you know, people, you know, it's getting crazy. There's some crazy talk. People saying better than, you know, CKD and him, you know, better than Bronny. You know, we don't want to get too crazy here, but, you know, the hype is through the roof right now for Bronny. And, i i see it i believe it i'm in on the hype i definitely i mean you know you just watch you see what he says i mean he says he loves playing basketball he's surrounded by basketball you know constantly all 24 hours you know obviously his basketball and you know he's been playing he has lebron literally as his coach he's been playing those guys since he was probably before he could walk and I think he has all the tools, all the access, all the all the stuff to really be a great superstar. And while Bronny may be a solid player, I think he could end up being, you know, a, a connective superstar, you know, someone who, not a connective superstar, but connective all-star could, be, could um, have some moments. I think Bronny could be the, or Bryce Maximus could be the real transcendent player that comes out of this family.
2: What were some of those Bryce comps again?
0: I I don't know. It's just a bunch of fans, you know, saying they see KD. I mean, he's only 15 years old, sophomore. Um, but it's but like tall. It's tall, 20... like lean
2: scorer guy, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Twenty forty seven doesn't really have this stuff updated. They still have him at six three, even like six six. You know, they don't have a star rating for him yet. So we'll see. I mean, before you know it, people will talk about it. You know, he's already signed with of course clutch sports group so he's already a clutch guy playing at sierra canyon so we'll see i mean right now it's young it's just you know it's just eye test right now but it's he's he's lucky i mean 15 years old already as tall as pretty solid nba players and showing really good skills we'll see i'll see he'll continue to vote but i think his ceiling is Way higher than Bronny's.
2: Some of the Bronny comps that I've seen floated around recently. I think I heard, I think you said Marcus Smart as one of the names. I've seen, yeah. I've Jeffrey seen Bradley. Drew Holiday as one of the mm-hmm. names floated out. It's like a high ceiling level. I mean, Drew Holiday is here, yeah, I'm yeah. sure we'll get into, but high level Four guy, two level guy, obviously the core of a championship team. Mm-hmm. Is Bryce, Bronny, LeBron, is that a championship core?
0: You know, it's, if LeBron, I mean, he be the third best
2: best player on a championship
0: team until you have Bryce as the number one. You know, I you know the problem is is that like Bron, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like if LeBron can continue to like put up what twenty points, get twenty minutes out there, you know, show some clutch buckets, they can wheel him out there for a little bit, and Bryce just has a ridiculous sophomore season. I mean, you know, crazy rookie season. Bronny, you know, kind of steers the games. Who knows? That would be a crazy triple. And of course we want to see it. Uh, but you know, that'll be, that'd be crazy. That'd be wild. But, um, it's definitely it's it's getting hot. It's nice to see the the these kids starting to grow up because we've heard about them for so long, you know. And obviously, that's not their fault. Their their dad's LeBron James, but it's nice to finally see some like them actually going through the process. We're starting to, like we're doing. We're doing right now. We're starting to comms, You know, we're starting to talk about their rankings, and you know, actually see them under the microscope. So,
2: and one of the one of the things that they have shown. You know, early on in these guys, these guys are extremely hard workers. Bronny, some of the stuff with his early on, like when he was younger in high school, some of the early like draft guys, the guys that are just, you know, crazy psycho watching the freshman, sophomore play, doing evaluations. Bronny, you know, I don't know. Can he get to the NBA long term? But he's like, I'm sure he's heard this stuff. It's out there. Obviously, you know, he is online like he knows what people are saying about him. The work is going in, though. You don't really hear him talking about it, and he continues to get better to the point where people are saying, you know, Hi, Drew Holiday, two-level shooting, defense, like a high-level impact type guy, so he works hard. And Bryce is going to continue to work hard, like you said. He he apparently has these, you know, he's m- potentially more gifted athletically than Bronny is as well. So, I mean, it's, just, it's a shout-out to those guys. You know, to be in the limelight like this at such a young age, and. You know, I like 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 their dad did, you know, he handled handled his business, worked on his game, got better. And these kids are doing it. They're starting young. So I we get we're do, we, they get to be in segments like this, but they are really you know, they're doing they're crushing it out there. They're continuing to grow. So it is, like you said, great to see.
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited to see their future. I'm definitely keeping in a close eye on them both. And, you know, might be the most excited pairing since the Ball Brothers. Who knows if we can get those guys together? I mean, who knows? The Bulls might move on from Lonzo at this point. Like, with how much he's injured, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, get him to the tanking Hornets. It wouldn't, wouldn't be the craziest trade in the world. That'd be wild. I've been
2: pushing for it for a long time, the Ball Brothers in show. He was a free agent, and I thought there was a chance. But, obviously, he was connected to Chicago for a long time, but I think there was rumblings when he was a free agent that Charlotte was a possibility. He was at least, you know, it was at least a consideration team up with his brothers. So it's still a potential haven't given up on it yet. And like you said, you know, just with the injury history now that he has, maybe they have to move on. Maybe Charlotte gives them, you know, something super attractive for Lonzo, but it's still a possibility that these guys can team up.
0: Yeah, and it looks like according to Sam Amico, um, you know, just looking online, I guess there there are talking hoops wire. They're talking about, you know, there are possible trade talks between, uh, Charlotte and the and the Bulls. So who knows? You know, Lonzo Ball has only played thirty five games. That's actually crazy. Lonzo Ball has played only thirty five games. Since signing the deal in 2021, that's, I mean, you know, he, he's obviously shown talent, but that's that's just crazy. There are mentioning, you know, maybe trading Kerry Rozier to the Bulls, and then the Bulls getting back Lonzo Ball and Ayo Desuma, um, which would be kind of sad for Desuma, Chicago hometown kid. But you know, I don't know if I trade Desuma, but that's a lot for Terry Rozier. Yeah, I'm sure they could get I Ayo, know.
2: Lonzo, and Lamelo together know. just for the tickets. You know, they're tanking for Wambanyana. That's a possibility. Call it
0: into the league. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I have to that, zoom out there for the passed at this point, but. I don't know what we're doing. But uh, it's kind of funny that you did bring up Drew Holiday because next topic is the Bucks. I don't know if they thought they were just going to let it, it slide that they were just on one, just on fire, like maybe actually on fire. Milwaukee quietly just went a whole month without losing a single game. 15 game winning streak started when Giannis came back from his injury on January 23rd. And he was out one game during the winning streak. But since then, uh, 23rd, he's been averaging 32 five assists and 17 rebounds on 56% from the field. And the interesting thing is, is that Chris Middleton still been struggling? And I, I think when we last talked about this, we we're hoping Chris Middleton would continue to score in ways and they were going to kick up the winning. Well, they kicked up the winning without him. He's averaging only fi- about 15 points on 47% of the field, which is still efficient. But the person who's been stepping into that role even before Giannis came back is Drew Holiday since the beginning of the year. He's been averaging 20.6, so pretty much 21, 7.8. So seven assists and five rebounds on 49% of the field, 39 from three, 39.9 from field and 82. So pretty much 50, 40, 82. And what he does on the, not only the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive, I I'm trying to remember which game he had a steal at near the end of the game. But um, I know recently there was a, st- a game-winning steal that they had, and I mean, I—it's really nice. I mean, Drew Holiday has been a player who, you know, for a good chunk of his career, overlooked down in New Orleans, but you know, now moving into that second role, really growing as a player on a championship-level team, it's—I really am happy to see his growth and wonder how hot far he can, how high he can get on the offensive side of the ball.
2: And like you said, Middleton is still like slowly working his way back. His numbers, his last nine games are a little bit better. You know, 16 points. I think the shooting percentages are up a little bit, but they're not to where Chris Middleton is. But even just with these guys on the floor, like just shows how impactful they really are like around Giannis, because just with having Middleton out there, the Bucks are 17 and three this season with just with having Drew Holiday out there as well. They're 38 and 12, you know, project that over a whole season. It just, Just a Giannis Drew holiday lineup is a 60 win team. So you throw Middleton in there. I 17 and three when he's in the lineup, we're talking about like 70 wins. Regular season is this team like an elite team and numbers wise. This isn't really even the best this core has played, but it feels like this core is still better than they were playing when they won the title a couple seasons ago. Feels like Drew Holiday, you know, he's even playing better now. His two-way game, like, just seems, like, defensively and offensively he can go to another level. And Middleton, his impact, like I said, he's been impacting these games, just his length and spacing and having another body out there giving some depth to this team. Like, all that stuff has just made them a great regular season team. But when you actually get him back to efficient score, 20-point-a-game score, like... It's really scary. They've recaptured the number one seed. They're on top of the East. I we've both, I think we back and forth a little bit, but Giannis is the best player in the league. And we've kind of said all year that the bucks, I probably still the top team in the East, the team, the East goes through. And now that these guys are kind of getting back healthy, I mean, we've seen it. They've now are emerging. They're the one seed.
0: Yeah. And uh, just to go back to just clean up something. Yeah. That's steal similar to the NBA finals was Drew holiday snatching the ball from Devin Booker. So, you know, it's a, kind of a little bit of deja vu moment there, but you know, the, the Celtics have had a little bit of struggles. Jalen Brown has been out for a little bit. Um, You know, Tatum gets his first career ejection versus the Knicks. So, you know, and now he's, you know, cooking and I think he just dropped 37 actually, or they just, they just, their game against the Cavs just finished. And it looks like he bounced back uh, with a forty-one and 11, 41 point game, eleven rebounds. So you know, my boy, boy came right back with it uh, against you know top four team. But anyway, but pretty much with, I mean, the Celtics obviously aren't gonna go away anytime soon. Um, but sometimes, you know, that's the main critique that has been given to Tatum is that he can be inconsistent at times you know, he can throw in a 16 point or 12 point game out of nowhere and then they're losing. So, just the consistency that the Bucks have had, you know, obviously like we mentioned Giannis being the being the guy and um, you know, just tonight already has 31-6 six and 6 over the over the Magic and it's only halfway through the fourth quarter. And that's a good Magic team too. I mean, they got some really good forwards there. So, you know, when you have other Right now the Bucks are rolling, and you know it definitely feels like they're kind of the runaway. Well, not runaway because KD is back, but definitely the runaway Eastern champion right now. And as
2: the playoffs approach, as we get into this stuff, like you said, this you know before on some shows, but the, there's just a lot of legacies on the line going into the playoffs this year. Feels like there's a lot of a lot at stake for a lot of these players and. All these stars, whatever. But guys like Middleton and Holiday, who, if the Bucs just have a run, like we said, we think they're the top team. The Celtics are right there. The Sixers are scary. There's other sleeper teams in the East as well. But if the Bucs are on top, like if these guys make a run, just as role guys surrounding Giannis, like big picture NBA history, like I think what that does for these guys' legacies were, I mean, do we have to start talking about these guys as – Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. I think those guys, you know, Manu had some international stuff. Parker has more all-stars than both, than Middleton and Holiday combined. But just as role guys around a star impacting playoff games, you know, they won a title already. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year and, you know, right on the edge of, or, you know, deep run in the playoffs last year, right on the edge. If Middleton doesn't get hurt, felt like they were probably the best team in the league and they're keeping that up again this year and just what that means for those guys legacies as those role guys i think they have a lot at stake and i think that you we've seen it bear out with the wins again the numbers could actually get better for these guys but the wins the impact they're having just their like night to night dominance on the league feels like it's at an all time high right now
0: and that's another thing that you know credit to bill simmons nba historian but that's one of the things he points to that every year the NBA champion does is they go on this kind of run and, you know, five, six game winning streaks is nice, but real contenders go on a month long weeks long run where they're just like, we're not losing. We're just not going to lose tonight. And they're on that run right now. Um, They're showing, you know, against quality competition. And, you know, they're, it's not like they're really playing bums, Uh, looking at their last couple of games, like we mentioned, they're beating the magic so far tonight. You know the Nets have been kind of rough the last couple of games, but then it was the Suns, the Heat. You know, a little break with the Bulls, and then beat the Celtics in overtime. The uh, healthy Clippers, um, the Lakers too, and I think the Lakers they had AD, and they didn't have LeBron at that point, but AD was playing. But yeah, you look at their last couple of games, and you know it's it's a solid it's a solid schedule. You know they they also beat the Nuggets in this run too, so you know, definitely a solid run, and it looks like it's not stopping anytime soon. And if you think of the teams this year that have
2: actually gone on the long runs, like Milwaukee's in the midst of one. We think they are a top-tier team in the East. The other team that went on the really long run this year was Brooklyn. They're obviously not together, but Durant led that team What they won like 19 out of yeah, 20 something or something crazy close, like man. that. He's almost 60% from the field, 30 points a game, like playing out of his mind. He's over in Phoenix now with Booker. So, I mean, obviously they go to the top, but I think the Celtics' longest win streak this year is nine. And I'm looking at the Nuggets as well. Their longest win streak is nine. So neither of those teams have gone on like crazy double-digit mm-hmm. win streaks. Have the Grizzlies
0: gone on one? Um, I think they were in the middle of one and then uh, John Morant got hurt. I think I remember
2: Because they had the losing, like they obviously they've struggled lately. They've had some losing streaks, but it felt like right before that losing streak, they were on a winning streak. Yeah, they won 11 in a row. So the Grizzlies have had a double digit win streak this year. And I mean, just in terms of upside talent, like that team is one of the highest upside teams in the league. But, you know, night to night in the play, like what can they do long term? Obviously is the questions, but but it does make sense, like you're saying, that those teams would make the runs in those teams. I think, would, you know, we're talking about the favorites here. And is it concerning at all that the Nuggets and the Celtics haven't had? You know, we, we don't need every team to win 17, 18 games in a row, but they've gotten close with nine, but they haven't really had like that double-digit run, that like two, three-week dominant stretch.
0: So, yeah, uh, just to mention, it looked like, yeah, the Grizzlies had an 11-game winning streak. And then they lost one, two, three, four. So that's, and then they lost nine out of 10 next 10 games. So, you know, they kind of destroyed the work that they put in, but yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the only teams that really have had that huge winning streak. It's definitely uh, in terms of just, you know, the nets with all the stars they had and they're rolling and now the, the bucks and really the teams with the developed stars really make those runs. Um, you know, teams that know they can do it usually past champions. And you know, look at the Nets; their stars are all past champions, two top stars, and uh, yeah. So it, and the same thing with the Bucks; all their main guys are champions. They know what to do. So it's definitely not surprising that they had uh, this run, but it is you know it's definitely a mark that everything is fine in Milwaukee. The the machine is running nicely. And it doesn't look like the bulldozer is stopping anytime soon. So it's definitely uh, rolling along over there. Um, for a team that's not rolling along as much, I got I to gotta come on, Randy. We got to talk about it. The New Orleans Pelicans, it, it's been another disappointing year, lackluster. They're two games under 500 on a four game losing streak and they're struggling as normal and it's mostly because of injuries and i was hoping this would be the year zion would play actually actually play games he's still been out and since um him being out in january 2nd the pelicans have gone 7 and 18 the fifth worst span you know fifth worst record in the league over that span and the four other teams are probably ones that were tanking. And now we don't have Jose Alvarado. He's out for at least three weeks. And Larry Nance, he's out at least for two weeks. So that's just more pieces who are out. And, you know, it's it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's rough right now for this team. They're 10th right now, so they are technically in the playing game um, spot. And, you know, they don't have as much pressure behind them from the Lakers. Uh, let me see who else is down behind them. Uh, I think yeah, the Trailblazers. I think Jazz was, Blazers. Yeah, they were who they're playing tonight. So, you know I think I think actually if the Trailblazers win tonight, they'll move into that spot because they'll have they'll be 30 and 32 and the Pelicans will be 30 and 33. So yeah, I think I think they'll actually yeah, so they're playing for the tenth spot right now. So it's it's <laughs> tough but you know we i mean we saw i just want to say you know statement that when they're healthy we saw their potential i think they were leading the west at one point they were up there top 4 team people were talking about championship aspirations but at the end of the day the best ability is availability and you got to play you just got to play and they're not playing and um it's sad to see but i stand by my take they should have been up there and it's just you know, sad to see Zion is still dealing with these same old injuries.
2: And you're not moving off of them from team no, of the no, year, we're sta- right? We're They're still staying team with of the them. year, holding
0: true. Hopefully, Zion can come back. They can maybe be get a little higher up or make it interesting, and they'll have an interesting first round. Maybe they'll scare the Nuggets. You know, really rattle them. The Nuggets. You know, this is their first real playoff run with all these pieces. So maybe they rattle rattle their cage or. You know, the Grizzlies, too. Young team always talking smack. Or if we get really lucky, they play the Kings. You know, they go on a huge winning streak, knock out the Kings, get to the second round, and who knows? You know, there's always hope. But the main thing is they need Zion Williamson, and they're not going anywhere without.
2: And it's weird because this season does feel a little disappointing if you're the Pelicans. The Stars haven't been healthy, obviously. Like you said, they have shown the upside of this team they were on top of the western conference but the fact that they've slid down this far it feels disappointing but they're kind of in the same spot that they were last year they won 36 games last year they were the nine seed They're 30 wins right now going into tonight's game against the blazers they're the 10th seed so you know they are at, they are at risk of missing the play-in game if they don't get some wins together but they're in a similar position where they were at last season. And it's because of the same reason, like the stars aren't healthy. So is there like a weird takeaway from the role guys in all of this? I mean, some of the guys have played really well. Like Trey Murphy has showed that he's a good player. We both love Dyson Daniels. Like we both have all the, we have a lot of Dyson Daniels stock on this pod, but Ingram as well. Ingram has been in and out with injury all season. He's just kind of getting back healthy. He is 25 points a game the last couple of weeks, and he's still only, only at like 33% from the three-point line. So he can still – he still has room to be more efficient as he gets healthier. But
0: um, I mean, I think with the – with I mean, it's nice to have another year of Zion – of the team, the role players, you know, getting playing, getting touches, developing as players, you know, getting ready for the big jump for this team. It's just, it seemed like that was this year. Um, they definitely, it definitely seemed like they had all the pieces. And at some point, they got to start paying these guys. I mean, the the clock is ticking on them being together. But Zion has been in the league since 2019. He joined the league 2020 season. And he's only played 114 games um, in his whole career. I mean, that's pretty much... Averaging less than thirty games, right? Am I? Am I doing my math right here? Seems uh, close he, enough. Over four seasons, yeah, he's averaging twenty-eight point five games a season, and that's—I mean—that's generous. Yeah, that's that. That's just—I mean—and obviously, when you take—I mean—doing quick math on air, yeah, that's only a quarter of a season that he's averaging playing. Or not a quarter, uh, 35 33%. So a third of the season. But that's, I mean, still, that's third of the season that, you know, two-thirds that he's just gone. And that's not counting playoffs. That's not counting, you know, when they actually need him. That's for you know, during the regular season. And, you know, it may not be his fault. It may be his fault. But at, at some point, they got to figure something out here because what they're doing is not sustainable. Having him out for these long stretches is just not going to work, and obviously you can't just trade him, So, you know, I don't know if it's something with what he's eating, his training regimen, something along those lines. But I think they gotta, they really gotta start figuring out what is going on. And you know, obviously, you know, they are trying to, but like the alarm bells need to start ringing in, in New Orleans because time is ticking. You can only, you only get so many shots at this.
2: Would it be that hard to get rid of Zion? Like. At what point does it become the Anthony Davis thing where it's like, if this guy's just not going to be on the floor, we get he is like generational when he's on the floor. But if he's just not going to be there, we have other assets in place. Like the Lakers, they have LeBron. The Pelicans, Brandon Ingram in the playoffs last season was getting any shot he wanted to against the Phoenix Suns, who won 60, season, 60 games in the regular season, were a really good defensive teams, had the wings to throw at him. He was getting to his spot and if he can get back healthy and get to that place, it's like Ingram Dyson Daniels is going to be a two way piece. Same with Trey Murphy. Combine that with the assets that you get and the assets that they already have, where it's like, maybe we just, or go out and pursue a different star player. Like maybe it's just a mega deal that they throw Zion in. Like who knows where this goes, but at what point do you go, Hey, let's just prioritize Brandon Ingram, the young guys that we have the assets, because if, If they do that, like, does time just stop ticking? Like, those are young guys. The picks are all future picks. Like, is at what point does that become an attractive timeline?
0: You see, with the difference between the Lakers and the Pelicans situation is that the L.A. could probably roll out and roll out of bed and get another start. They could probably, after a couple years, there was that stretch, obviously, where it was a barren waistline for L.A., But they've had a long history of being able to attract stars and keep, you know, New Orleans, on the other hand, is a small market. It's I mean, they're not on the top of any free agency lists. You know, they rarely I mean, the one star they did have, you know, after a couple of playoff trips, he was out of town. I mean, he was pretty much on strike and having a player like Zion, who is, again, like we mentioned, a transcendent guy and he doesn't want to leave it's kind of hard to kick him out of town because you just don't have players like that coming very often to your franchise. Even same way with Chris Paul. I mean, he eventually left for the LA, right. And um, again, also LA. So they've had a history of losing players LA and chances are, they feel like, you know, if they hold on to Zion, he'll work out. But like we mentioned, it is a little worrying. I mean, the next couple of years, his salary really jumps up. I mean, the series, I think it's still the rookie deal at 13 and a half mil but next year it's 33 and a half then 36 then 38 and 41. I mean that's a that's more than double from this year to the next so he's definitely going to start really taking up cap space so yeah uh, it's definitely you know a very good point that you know maybe you do start looking at trading him you know starting probably next year and beyond. Because that cap jump, I mean, his salary jumps up really high. But I think for this year, you hold on one more year, you give him one more chance. But once you start shelling out superstar money, I know, I mean, for sure, they're probably gonna start be looking for superstar performances from him. So definitely, uh, definitely, uh, time is ticking over in or-, or New Orleans. So, but speaking of Portland, misspeak a little bit, but it's because I was thinking of the next. Uh, segment which is another one of rems great ideas well i think most if you've been watching the league a couple days ago the second highest scoring game of all time occurred double overtime a whole lot going on i think it was, it was the kings against the clippers um and i know rem has mentioned on the pod that you know what if the highest scoring gets broken and you know it almost did it, it was almost close did. you saw it happen, i was hoping so. for it i know i was like it, and it, i mean it ended 176 175 so it's a high likelihood it could have gone to triple overtime. and it felt like everyone was hitting every single three i mean clippers were 57 percent for the field on 45 attempts Kings were 43 on 41 attempts. I mean, both of them were above 58 or 58 or more from the field. So, I mean, you know, they're just draining threes and no one cared about taking care of the ball. Uh, They had 40 turnovers between them. No, yeah, 40 turnovers (laughs) between the two teams. So let's just say the ball was flowing all over the place. I think they also, I mean, a lot of free throws shot. I mean, they also had over 50 fouls in total between the two teams. So let's just say it was a stat-breaking uh, game, but who – I guess your your segment called Next Player to Score 60 Draft, you know, and Dame Time scoring 70, and now, of course, Donovan Mitchell being told by his mom he has the top 71. I think – yeah, Dame, I think, scored 71. I'm not 100%. Yeah, 71. To- He scores 71, so now Don Mitchell having to top it. And, you know, this team, this season, like you mentioned, most 60-point scores. all the guys – I mean, I think Rosillo, shout out another podcaster, mentioned how there was 43 players scoring 20-plus or more this season, and 10 years ago it was only 11 or something along those lines, 11-12. But it's it's just – scoring has exploded. So, I guess, yeah, Rem – it's a great idea, and you know i i I personally enjoy the more scoring. I don't know do you do you like it? I mean, who wants to watch a eighty five to eighty six point game
2: no you, this season, with dame's performance, it was the second seventy point performance of the season. so I imagine that has to at least tie a record. go back to that sixty sixty one season. I think wilt and Elgin both might I think that might have been wilt's a hundred point game and oh, elgin's yeah. seventy three point game but tied the record for most 70 also tied the record for most 60 point games in a season with three Dame and Donovan Mitchell. Like you said, obviously had 70 point games. Luca also put up 60 this season as well. So that's three 60 point performances this year. The only other times that have happened, the 61 62 season Wilt West Elgin 80, 89 MJ Carl Malone Tom Chambers, Tom Chambers making an appearance in back-to-back shows. 60 points in the 89-90 season. And then 2020-2021, Steph Tatum and Bradley Beal all had 60 points that year. So this year ties with those. And um, yeah, I just thought maybe, you know, there's like 20 or so games left. 60 is a lot of points to get to in a game, but maybe there is a chance that one but somebody else gets to it that there's 4 60 point games this year. Maybe there's a chance that the record gets broken, but either way, we wanted to draft the next player we thought would have a 60 point performance in the game. So, uh and, and we're going to exclude the players that have done it this year. So Lucas yeah. off the table, Mitchell's off the table, and Lillard's off the table as well. But uh I guess if the I guess if we get it right and it's next year. Uh, I know I'll definitely count it toward my record. I'll definitely take the W on that, Mm -hmm. but who wants the first pick? Do we want to have Siri flip a coin? How do we want to do this?
0: Uh, You you can go first. I'll let you have the idea. And I'm kind of interested to see who you take number one overall since, you know, again, your idea.
2: Okay. So there is only, like we said, three names off the board, Luca Mitchell and Damian Lillard. And there are, other guys in the league that have other guys in the league that have had 60 point performances. I mean, I read some of them already when we were going through the history there. So there are some names on the board, but I think I kind of want to go toward guys that haven't gotten 60 points in a game yet. Some of the newer guys, like if, because you know who it's just hard to get multiple 60 point performances in your career. So I think only, only, like four or five guys have done it. So feels like there's a shot that it would be somebody new. And speaking of new guys scoring ton of points with the first pick, I think I'm going to go. Shea Gilgis. I know it. Alexander I know it. <laughs> 30 points a game. He's 31 points a game right now. He's six in the league. He's third in the league in total points. And if you look at the type of game you have to have to have like a 60-point performance, free throws are going to be a huge part of that. And he's fourth in the league right now in free throw attempts a game. He's one of the four guys averaging double-digit free throw attempts a game. He's at 10. It's like Giannis and Embiid and like other big guys are up there with the double-digit. But Shea as a guard is like the new like draw fouls at a high rate guy. His current career high right now is only 44 points, so he hasn't even crossed the 50-point threshold yet. But I think if there's a young scorer in the league right now who could get to that 60-point mark, Shea could have the volume. He would have the free-throw attempts. And, you know, I still think he could could get hot from three and hit a couple threes in a game as well, too, pad the stats. So Shea Gildas Alexander off the board, number one.
0: I know you mentioned that for your player. First of all, I knew you were gonna pick Shay. I, I was kinda well I was really hoping you would. I was like, yeah, that was probably my number one overall pick to off the board. But, you know, we'll we'll also go again with players a little, you know, not on their not at the top pinnacle um superstars in the league, because that's too easy. Come on, I could just say Tatum you know, or B, you know, or I don't know, you know. But Player who's been kind of scoring a lot as of late, and uh, I know you mentioned you're trying to do players who haven't done sixty point games, but this one has. It's one uh, the sixty point has has been uh, has been known to uh, have a have crazy scoring nights, and um, let me see if I can get his stats right here. Um, but pretty much with my first overall pick. I am taking the one, the only Clay Thompson out of the Golden State Warriors lately. He's been on fire um, ever since pretty much the uh last set in the last nine games. He's been averaging 28 points on 47% from the field. Not as great, but 47% from three on 13 attempts. That's just bananas. Field goals is he taking per game right now? Is he just taking all threes? Pretty much. I mean, he's taking 20 field goals a game, but I think in his gotcha. 40, let's see here, in his 42 point game two games ago, 17 of his 19 field goals were threes. So, you know, he's just draining threes right now. And when when Clay's feeling it, he's a flamethrower. And, you know, on the defensive side, you know, we're pretty sure he won't reach the peaks he had because, you know, young Clay was just a monster. But on the offensive side, he's shown he still has that shooting touch. And with, you know, Jordan Poole being inconsistent as is, I think there was a report that came out today saying Curry might be returning soon. Um, Yeah, hopeful to return next week. But that still gives Clay plenty of time to get his shots up. There's not really another scorer on this team. And he's on fire right now. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised as long as Kerr doesn't take him out early because they're destroying someone. I, I think Clay could be the next one to drop 60.
2: And Curry is still out. So he has a couple of games to get yeah. just like a ton of volume. And even with Curry, like if Clay's hot, they're obviously still going to feed yeah. Clay. Had 60 points back in the 16, 17 season. His high for this season, his season high so far for the 2022-2023 season is 54 points. But like you said, he had that 42-point performance the other night, so he is heating up. He has been a flamethrower lately. With my second pick, again, it's it's... You want to obviously get a high-level score, but you go, like, what's the recipe for a guy to get to 60, you know, even 70 points in a game, volume, th- free throws, three-point shooting. Who's just going to take a lot of shots in a game? Who can get super, super hot? Like, Klay Thompson's a great pick for the first off the board. Just, like, definitely on the board, like, the number one, just heat-check guy on the board. Like, you could tell in the first quarter, just like, oh, yeah, this is the game where Klay's going for 60. Like, he's on fire. But another underrated heat-check guy, And he hasn't been that great this season. The percentages are down a little bit, but Trey young could get the volume. He can get hot from three. And more importantly, he can get the free throws as well. His career high for free throw attempts in a game is 21 free throw attempts. I believe he did that in his second season. His career high for points is 56. So he's been really close. He is, has the volume. He's going to get the shots and, like the percentages have been down this year, but the scoring numbers are the same. They have been the last couple seasons. So Trey young could have that opportunity to get 60. He is my second pick off the board.
0: And articles coming out saying that, you know, with Quinn Snyder as the coach, he could actually really help Trey young on the offensive side, help a little bit with the spacing, hopefully get the ball out of his hands, you know, some more ball movement. So hopefully they're able to get Trey young into an actual offense. And you know, that could help him get some open shots, get hot. So yeah, we could definitely see that happening. Um with my next pick, I'm gonna go with a player who you've been very high on, who's been scoring, you know, pretty consistently, had a had a last couple games have been a little rough, but there's still wins. And you know, had a stretch where averaging about 31 points, you know, on 59% from the field. 50% 50% from three and 77 from free throw. That was a seven-game stretch before these last three games. And we we'll are talk about the one, the only, Jalen Brunson. He was on – he's a little cold now, a little colder. But – and there's a lot of mouths to feed over on that New York Knicks team. But I definitely feel like Brunson, he has an explosion in him. He has a game that just to go off. And he's been going off. I mean, you know, he's already – had several 40 point games and you know they're just I think he's just uh one or two overtime you know everyone else is playing bad game away from having going to that next level and dropping 60 how
2: many 40 point games has he had this year do you have the number in front of you
0: uh no I do not but I do have the numbers in front of me so let's
2: I feel good on that but I I do wonder what a performance like that would do for his game because I, we went through it, but the numbers that he's put up, the numbers that yeah, three forty point performances, those, I mean, those are high level scoring performances, but for him to like break through like that, it's just his numbers have been insane. Doesn't feel like he gets the recognition just in like the point guard. Love the point guard conversation is one of the top guys, but he's been an amazing floor general over there in New York. He's elevated that whole lineup and he is scoring now at like a real consistent top level. I think since the new year, he's like top 15 in the league in scoring. So he's like one of the best bucket getters in the league, which I don't think a lot of us saw. I, we all knew Jalen Brunson was a good offensive player, but I don't think like 30 point a game night. the last three games have been up and down a little bit, like you said. But to have the run that he just did, it's been impressive. And a game like that, I think, would just elevate his... I think it might finally give him the recognition he deserves. So, would love to see Jalen Brunson get 60 points in a game.
0: One thing to note real quick, career uh, average for points, 13.9. Just this year alone, 23.6. I mean, just to put it a little bit in perspective, you know.
2: So, with my third pick, I feel like... You know, like I said, I was trying to get a lot of new guys off the board. So the board here, I don't have a lot of the top tier level stars in the league on my board. I mean, Shea, top six in scoring. Trey Young's been an all NBA guy. These guys are stars, but I don't have any of like, I got like, I don't have Durant on my list, for example. Uh Spoiler alert, but I do think I want to get one of these guys and it feels like a little bit of a cheat because he had his career high this season. It was 59 points. He was one point away from getting 60, but Joel Embiid has a chance to be the back-to-back scoring champ. He was the first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq. And he has the first, he has a chance to be the first back-to-back scoring champ at center since Kareem did it 70, 71, 70, 72. And the offense that he has now with when, when Harden's on the court, just having another guy that the space he could run the pick and roll with Embiid like Embiid is able to exert his physical dominance, like one-on-one against guys when Harden is out there and he is just totally unstoppable. He can get the free throws. He can hit a couple threes, but he can just dominate you, get his way to 60. And like I said, he was basically there earlier this year. He had 59 points in a game, but, And beat, I think, (laughs) of all just, like, the MVP-level guys. I think just his physical dominance with the free throws and the fact that when Harden's out there, he gets to just have more space to go one-on-one against all these guys. I think he has a shot to get to 60, so he would be my third pick.
0: Well, since we're going, you know, we're talking about superstars, I guess I will fold and finally take a superstar here. And, you know...
2: I've opened the floodgate.
0: Just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, Let me see here. Okay, so, well, I don't think it's a super, super huge surprise to guess who I'm going with. The one, the only, my favorite player. I'm taking Tatum here. Jalen Brown has returned. But like we saw from the All-Star game, Tatum is really now just trying to, and like I mentioned, there are times he is inconsistent, but it really feels like he's trying to assert his dominance on the league, really try to get that respect to be considered one of those top guys, because I think real basketball fans do put him up there as a top five player, but like the household casual guy still kind of sees him on the level of, you know, uh, Shea or SGA, like kind of a good player, but, You know, solid score, but, like, can you really trust him? Is he really a difference maker? But, I mean, he has shown this year that he is. And, um, you know, his scoring is working. He is working on making it more consistent. And I could really see him blow up one of these games. And I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't scored 60 already. I think he might have hit 50, but he hasn't hasn't quite reached that uh, height yet.
2: I think he had 60 a couple seasons ago, but hasn't got to it this year has that potential and you know the fact that LeBron and Durant and Steph and these the fact that these guys are still in the league and they're still like top level star players in the league it just kind of like these guys you know they obviously they're basketball legends they've been in the league forever they've won their championships they're all-time greats but just night to night competitively. I mean, like guys like Giannis and Bede Jokic are better obviously. And guys like Tatum, Luca, like these guys are on the level basketball wise as Steph Durant, LeBron, but they've just accumulated a star power over the years where it still carries them on the court where you just, you think Durant versus Tatum where you're like, well, yeah, I mean, Durant is clearly better than Tatum. Like clearly he's the guy, but I mean, this season Tatum's like, Hey, you know, I'm, right on the level with this guy i was in the finals last year i bettered him in the playoffs and just night tonight now 30 points a game yeah 30 points a game all-star mvp i mean we were we were talking about this you know the piece come the piece came out somebody did the piece he's getting in shape he's putting in the work he's been an on the grind guy i mean it just you're right the respect level for him is not there he's been chasing it this year and i think it's a great fourth Pick so or uh, third pick for you, I guess, because this is my fourth pick. Oh, and yeah. let me see here, the board gets interesting. Go a little crazy with this one. And Embiid's pretty nice. safe, like we said, one one point away already this year. So maybe it's even riskier because he's already kind of had the big mm-hmm. performance this year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But to go a little unorthodox. I'm taking Zach Levine with my fourth pick.
0: Okay, He's
2: one of six guys in NBA history to have multiple games with 10 plus three pointers offensive rating this year. You know, the bulls have struggled a little bit been up and down over there, but the offensive rating this season is still the second highest in his career. He's 24 points a game, 37% from three. I mean, the scoring numbers are still good from Zach Levine. And again, He has the heat check ability. He has a career high of 50 points. So if he has a game where he's double-digit free throws, double-digit three points a game, maybe DeRozan's out. Maybe he's traded and just on another team. Who knows what happened? But maybe DeRozan's out. Maybe just he gets hot. Who knows? But feels like Zach Levine has the heat check ability to get to 60 points. Am I crazy?
0: A little bit. A little bit. I think he's been a little underperforming this year. I haven't really seen him, you know, really have those high peaks. I don't know if he has hit 40 points this year yet. Um, and I I don't know. I'm just kind of lackadaisical on the Bulls in general. They just, you know, they don't excite me personally, you know, kind of seeing, I feel like I've seen everything I need to see with them. You know, uh, Zach Levine kind of had a season last year of, oh, you know, is this the year before the year? You know, is he going to really pop off this next year? And then, you know, this year he's still around 24, 23 points. Kind of where exactly where he's at. I think he's at, yeah, season high of 38. Oh, he had a 43-pointer. Um, But, yeah, 43 points, 41. So, um, my pick, kind of frisky. You know, it's kind of, you know what, it's crazy Uncle Sam. You know, we had a little bit of crazy Uncle Sam during All-Star Weekend. And, you know, call me crazy. This one is a little wild, a little out there, but we're at the fourth pick, and I'm not picking Jokic. So uh he's only, you know, he's kind of moved to a new area, but this is kind of the, you know, you're on a bad team, so someone got to put up these shots. Someone's gotta take these reps, you know, and he's kind of he's kind of been a bit higher, you know, player I personally have stock in. So I kind of want to see him succeed. You know, I, I'm gonna just say it. I I, I am taking with the fourth pick, right? Fourth. Yep, fourth pick. We're taking Mikhail Bridges. I, I'm gonna take him. I okay. Think on the on that team, uh, so far since he's played, he's been averaging almost 24 points, um, but he's been really efficient from the floor, uh, 52 percent. Uh, on 15 attempts 46 percent from three and 90 percent from the free throw line that is uh 52 46 and 90 club we love to see that you know that's only a six game stretch but you know and his plus minus is negative negative 0. 0.53 but and there's been more losses than wins but that further proves the point that you know i think mikhail he's just going to be jacking up shots and who knows, I think he'll be the guy, you know, you'll just wake up the next day and be like, Oh, what happened? Mikael Bridges scored 60. What's going on. And um, you know, I, I definitely think is uh, is he's been efficient from shooting from the floor since he's been there. And uh, the, I really, I kind of, I think the options are endless right now with him.
2: So what kind of upside do you think he has? Because you said now when he got traded to the Nets, he has a chance to have his own team. I don't think a lot of people think that of Mikhail Bridges. He's been like a three and D role guy on the Phoenix Suns, like, you know, high level guy, but role guy. Booker and Chris Paul are the stars. Ayton is even like the complimentary star player type guy. But in this Brooklyn situation, he's going to have more room to grow. He's going to get the shots and he's continued. And he still is like a special one on one on ball defender to have a high level two way guy like that as a shot maker, like is what kind of upside do you think he's had? I mean, you call a 60 point game for him.
0: I think, I mean, I think he'll have a crazy 60 point game, but uh, I think realistically he'll, he can, I mean, with the shots, he can probably push for a borderline all-star. I'm thinking like Jeremy Grant, maybe a little higher ceiling when he was on the Pistons, that kind of thing. You know, um, definitely. I think he can definitely push the ceiling definitely now with the team that he's on and maybe he'll get even higher, but and he, I mean, he's been really efficient with his shooting again. Um, but you know, it's definitely uh, the team is, they're just figuring out who they are. They don't know quite yet, but he definitely seems like, you know, when, when Dinwiddie can let go of the ball for five seconds, it definitely seems like he's the number one option on the team. And, um, you know, I, I definitely, I think, I think with him, it's just, the it's untapped talent you know we don't know what's there and you know that's sometimes the most valuable thing in the NFL's potential and who knows I definitely I think I think he's got it in there I think he's got a 60 point game and we'll see might be it, not not maybe not 60 wins but 60 points
2: is it because his arms are so long like could he just be Paul George but his arms be. are so long when he dribbles I don't know does it mess up people's perspective maybe maybe because that's you're right it. I mean he he could grow as a, like if he does that with the two way thing, like Paul George, like that's a realistic expectation for this guy, I think, if he grows. So, yeah, I think a heat check game like that for sure possible for Mikkel Bridges. You thought you went crazy with your pick, but this is my last pick. This is where we really get crazy. And we're already at historic levels this season with the scoring tied for the most in NBA history. We've had three this year. I, the odds are against it happening again for a fourth time. It's a there's a low chance that it happens this year and that we break the record. but i I want to bank a guy for next season if this were to get wow. pushed into next season, one by Yama
0: what? who's no, no,
2: not I haven't thought about putting him on my board. I oh did for a second. Gosh. but I don't know if he could get sixty. That's a high number. But if if this guy's on the floor next year, if he's taking more shots, if he is increased his role. Give me Cam Thomas, 40 Mm. points a game. The Mm. first three games he came in super heat check guy next season. Maybe his role increases. Maybe he plays a little bit more down the stretch here. But I mean, is there a guy more confident out there? Than Cam Thomas. And even in the next game, after those 40 point games, I think he struggled in the first half. He scored zero points, but he came out and scored 20 points in the next half. So he's like 20 points in like seven out of eight halves of basketball. So Cam Thomas is an elite, like heat check guy, heat check against bad defense off night type guy if you're the Brooklyn Nets. So if we want to go crazy for the last pick and Buy some future stock that we think could hit big. Let's go, Cam Thomas at number five.
0: All righty, Cam Thomas. Um, yeah, no, that was wild. That scoring stretch he had in the middle of the season. And, you know, it was like, oh, can he actually uh help carry this team or something? But um, you know, a little bit of Lint Sanity kind of uh kind of stretch right there. And um Hmm. I was thinking about maybe Siakam. I was just looking for, honestly, number one options on teams that people don't really think about, but it's not looking great right now. Um, Yeah, no, Bradley Beal doesn't really do much for me. I thought about Devin Booker as well, but now you got Katie on that team. He's taking shots. That's going to be really tough for him to reach his high. Maybe Anthony Edwards too i i you know he's someone someone interesting as well he was on Um, my board yeah um but i think i might take a page out of your book and take a player for next year um and no it's not vic i'm gonna i'm gonna go with let me see let me let me double check i don't want to take Anthony Edwards. let me let me triple check here yeah, he's been playing well this year. Yeah, you know, not really peaks and valleys, but consistency—that's good. Um, we're gonna go with Zion Williamson. Hopefully, he stays healthy. Uh, and um, I think it's self-explanatory. We've seen him. I mean, you know, I think at one point he was a uh, highest per thirty-six per game scorer. I don't know if he still is. Um, of all time, and. You know, everyone, I mean, you know I'm not gonna rehash. We all know his talent on the on the court, and um if he's if he's cooking, you know, no one can stop him, you know, so hopefully he uh comes back next season and drops sixty amples.
2: Anthony Edwards was if I didn't want to like do the super crazy cam Thomas pick and actually pick a realistic player, Anthony Edwards was the next player on my board. Yeah. The problem is this season, ever since the Russell trade and with Towns out, that team doesn't have like another shot maker on the team, another guy that you can count on. I know well, you know, he can do his thing from time to time. Torrey and Prince is there, but the double teams and the defensive looks that the teams are throwing at Anthony Edwards exactly. right now are really crazy. He's not scoring a ton like you think he would, It you know, when you trade Russell, it's like, let's give the ball to Anthony Edwards and let's just unlock him. But defense is like, wait a second. All we have to do is stop Anthony Edwards and scoring wise. It's, you know, his numbers are down a little bit, but the playmaking is growing. You can see him learning how to handle the double teams and handle the stuff the defense are throwing at him. And that team is kind of a defensive team anyways. So just in terms of winning games, they've kind of been fine as well because they're defensive minded and because Ed- Edwards is keeping him in games like night to night. So Anthony Edwards would have been off my board. The Zion pick is a good pick. A couple other honorable mention guys. I had another crazy young guy, Dame's teammate. I, Simons might be a guy that could get to 60 as well. It's a good pick. He had a career high this year, 45 in Utah did it on 25 field goal attempts. So he gets to the free throw line, very efficient from three pointer. 40% over the last three seasons. Never had more than 10 free throw attempts in a game as well. So if he has a game where he just draws a ton of free throws, hits a bunch of threes, maybe he's a guy who could get hot. I also had Jamal Murray. Bubble Murray comes back. He had the 50-point games in the playoffs. If he gets hot from three, maybe he has 60. Kyrie, obviously, just you know, as a guy who could heat up and get 60 points in a game. Same with Jaw. He just had a 20-point game against the Lakers. I had him on my list as well. But a bunch of guards mostly. And wanted to gear more toward the younger guys, but it's funny. I do think Simons as well, though, too, could uh could drop a 60 piece if uh if he had the looks.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And um Simons, you know, is another interesting uh, player is been efficient when he's up to scoring, you know. With if Dame cools off here, maybe you can give him a couple secrets to how to get to there. And uh. but yeah, that sounds like a solid list. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if any of them can score sixty. We'll definitely make sure to come back, give ourselves a pat on the back for uh, making these starting fives, you know. But uh, yeah, it seems like uh, you know, it's just the general state of the league. You know, points are going through the roof. Dime a dozen, and you know it kind of doesn't matter what defenses do anymore.
2: And just to recap, my five guys were Shea, Trey Young, Embiid, Zach Levine, and Cam Thomas. Your five guys: Clay Thompson, Jalen Brunson, Jason Tatum, Mikkel Bridges, and Zion Williamson. If you if you had to guess what the like the next highest point total in the league. So let let let's pick what do we think is the next like high score the high score between now and the end of the regular season what is the most points somebody is going to put up in a game
0: I mean I don't know if anyone gets to 60 but I I'd say like 57 maybe 57 57,
2: 57 was exactly the number I was going to throw out yeah. but uh 57's a solid pick I guess I guess I'll go hot take then. No, maybe nobody gets to 50 between now and the end wow. of the regular season. Scoring at an all time high, I know, but maybe defenses start to ratchet up a little bit. All the stars are coming back. So, you know, maybe a little more equal distribution amongst the star players and the scoring and all that stuff. You know, teams are trying to get more balanced heading into the stretch runs of the season. Maybe we don't see another. I'll say 49.
0: We'll get, somebody will get 49.
2: to 49 the rest of the season. That'll be it.
0: I'm feeling 57 or 63. I don't know why I'm feeling those two numbers, but somewhere there. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. Chances are the playoffs themselves will bring another crazy set of high scoring games as teams literally get pushed to the edge. And we already mentioned about the legacies it Could be one of the most important playoffs in a long time, but you know, well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Season's winding down and games are getting tight. Spots are being taken. So um, moving on to this past weekend, Frisbee Corner.
2: How was it, sir? How were the big tournament in Tulsa this weekend? How how'd everything go? We know there were high expectations. You guys were,
0: you know, you thought you could do well going into the tournament, but what's the report coming back? Well, you know, it wasn't as great as we wanted. First of all, it's our first outdoor tournament, and we've been training all inside, so the winds were knocking us a bit. Mm. And you know, we lost three games with a combined total total loss of score of four four in total throughout those three games. So really oh. close losses. Um, we we day in our pool. Um We went up two against, or we are actually three up against Missouri, but they came back and beat us. And it was, it was, it was really, it was really deflating. Um But then, but we were still in the championship bracket. So the next day we had a close first game against North Texas. They, they gave us a tough fight, but we, we, uh, the second and a half, we beat, a, we pushed, pulled away from them three zero. And then the next game, we totally destroyed that team. And uh, moved on from the quarters to, I think, pre-quarters to the quarterfinals where we ran into the runner-ups, Arkansas. They were fourth ranked. And um, and, and I think we've mentioned before with Frisbee a little bit of how it works where it's pretty much teams taking the offenses, taking turns to score. And if the offense messes up and the defense scores, that's called a break. And But the thing is, is that at the very beginning of the game, you flip whoever gets the disc first. So we say that, you know, the, whoever starts with the disc starts with half a break because technically, you know, it, it, it goes back and forth the whole game. They'll end up winning by like kind of half a point. Um, not half a point, but like they'll, it'll be tied and then they'll go up one and tied one. So the thing with our game against Arkansas is none of us got a break and they started with the disc. So the offenses just always scored. They always ended up scoring. I mean, they did, there were turnovers and there were chances for either defense to score on them, but neither defense was able to get a score on the offense. So it was just holds the whole game. and call it a hold. And, you know, it's kind of tough personally for me. I mean, my defender made a great play, but, you know, I was like, kind of a drop. So, you know, we had a chance on the D line to get a break and, you know, it's just motivated us. So, um, we ended up going into the fifth place bracket. Um, we won the first game really well against the number one seed, uh, Texas Dallas. No one knows why they were ranked number one because they played horribly this past weekend. I'm sorry, not trying to call you all out, but we did beat y'all thirty-two to 2. So 30, 13 to two. So get them. Yeah, we were we were mad. Let's just point it out we were not happy after losing Arkansas. Um, and then uh, we had the next game was another heartbreaker our last game of the weekend um another close game against missouri s&t their top 25 d3 school and uh yeah so we ended up finishing exactly where we were seated sixth place um we were hoping to break seed maybe make a semi-finals and fight for a third or fourth spot maybe get to the finals who knows but um you know being outside it taught us a lesson made us hungry. We're definitely in the lab working. You know, I ain't going to say too much cause you know, it's, you know, but we're in the lab. We're in the lab. Let's just say we're cooking up some stuff. I hook is going to come back stronger than ever. And you know, it's, I mean, personally for us, it's not, you know, it's pretty encouraging that, you know, we did have three losses and it was a combined score of four. so it's not like we got, we never got destroyed. That's the point. We were very competitive the whole weekend and um, we're gearing up for our probably our highest profile regular season tournament down in Texas, Sentex. Um, we wanted to play against the tier one top guys. You know, we might have gotten obliterated. You know, we would have gotten it would have been some very tough games. It was best in the nation, you know, but now we get to get teams more our level. So, you know, hopefully we go down there, handle business. And, you know, hopefully get a chance to beat Iowa State because, you know, they've been asking for it. And you
2: can see and you can just hear the championship DNA in the team. I'm guessing it's in the locker room because, I mean, you get a team like the Vikings that comes out and loses these close games. They have these, you know, you see the point differential stats and you go, oh, this team's probably fraudulent. But a team like your team where they're competitive games down to the wire. Talent-wise, I mean, you're right there. It's like, let's just make the plays. And new conditions for the first time as well. I don't think that can be underrated, the adjust. I mean, you see it in these pro leagues. It's a factor in the NFL, home field advantage, weather, altitude. All of this stuff plays in. So you're right. You're outdoors for the first time, I think, going forward. If it's a learning experience, like the championship DNA is there, these are building blocks to grow from. So I, it doesn't sound like there's anything to hang your head about sounds like you know if you guys learn the lessons that you need to from this experience like you guys will be fine and i think you'll be set up for success in the future tournaments
0: yeah and it's you know it's my first season on the a team and personally this probably was my best overall tournament ever in career so i mean i personally had a great weekend you know, our D-line, we were on the second D-line. So, you know, we had the second group of guys, you know, kind of overlooked. But, I mean, we we created almost nearly, I mean, nearly as many breaks as our D-1. So, we were, our D-2 was very competitive, even though we were, like, the second choice um, defensive guys. You know, we, the funny part is that we created a lot of turnovers. But because we had more inexperienced guys, we'd also have turnovers. But like for D-line, that doesn't really matter as much because we're D D-line, like we're playing with house money whenever we get the disc. So, you know, it's but it was kind of funny where we would go really long points where we'd have seven, eight chances and we're just like dying because but we're I mean, we're making the O-line work and it's it's their legit O-line. I mean, it's not, you know, they're bums usually because usually for us to be playing a lot of times the d1 would have broken up, so they like are getting serious and so it let, let's long story short it was a great weekend personally for me um especially day one against you know some of the worst not as good competition day two was solid and um yeah hoping to build on it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun we're gonna be going outside we're gonna be out in the wind we're gonna be practicing out there we, we know what we did wrong and um and we just gotta I think we just gotta tighten a few bolts here and there, and uh, I think this team's gonna be ready to rock and roll down in austin. it's It's gonna be a fun weekend, so we're we're ready. We're rearing
2: i as like a team, those are the worst losses where you look at them and go, oh, yeah, these are things that we should have done right. We know we can do these things. But like if we were breaking if fans on the outside looking in, like, Those are the kind of things you look at a team and go, oh, yeah, wait a second. They can do these teams. These things are in place. So again, going forward, seems like it, you know, you're playing well, but I'm sure, you know, the system is developing you, which means it's going to have it's developing these other players. Culture seems good. So all the pieces are in place when you're practicing indoors. I'm guessing you guys are playing on turf, right? Yeah, it's turf, yeah. So can you speak now on the differences between playing on grass and playing on turf? Do you have some Oh, yeah, no, I've definitely played
0: on grass before. Yeah, I prefer grass a lot. I think everyone does, um, especially with turf. There's like concrete right underneath it. I mean, thankfully, there's more space, you know, or more, a little more, um, uh, a little, there's some grass, you know, turf grass, but it is mostly concrete. And then the turf grass also has like a little black um like pebbles and stuff that gets in your shoes and stuff so and it i mean i've had a couple times where i've tweaked my ankle cuz of the turf like it's bouncy and stuff so we definitely prefer grass it's nicer for laying out you know jumping out for stuff and um we definitely can't wait to get outside it's getting warm here finally for once knock on wood you know good weather for once so it'll be nice to be outside and get used to throwing in the winds because from here on out i mean all our tournaments are outside and um, we're going to have to get used to throwing in the wind um, with these next tournaments coming up, um, with these big old matchups. So
2: You're going to be in Austin for the next one?
0: Yeah, yep. We'll be down in Austin, Texas at Centex. Um, but our tournament after that at the end of this month is going to be a local one. It's going to be our home tournament, Old Capitol Open in Marion. So, you know, it's, it's open to the public. It's at, I think it's at Tuma sports complex up there and further in Marion. So, you know, if you're, if anyone's in the area, show up, support the guys. I mean, it's, there's going to be teams. We, I mean, it's our probably, yeah, it's definitely our bigger, bigger than Iowa indoor because we, I mean, we get teams from all over uh the Midwest, all over the region. So it's it's a it's a it's a big tournament. I think last year we won it first time and I think either eight or ten years. So we're hoping to defend our title. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Come out,
2: show support. That'll be yeah. great. Be on site. So support the the ultimate Frisbee. It's a great sport. And uh, I'm going to we're going to have to talk because this is gonna if you're going to be in the area, I mean, I don't know how I'm not going to be where this is happening. So, I mean, this this sounds go. amazing can't wait
0: yeah day one I, I mean i won't be there for some of the games but day two i should be there the whole day because that's when we get the bracket play that's when the series games day one you know you, you get a pull play and you get the warm-up games but um that should be about it um yeah yeah hopefully i i gotta sign homework i got to watch ant man we are gonna watch ant man you know, I it's it's just I mean I really really want to. It's just a lot's going on right now. We're in the thick of things. All the professors are trying to stuff in as many homework as possible before spring break, so it's crazy right now. You know, i may be moving some stuff also with my professional career. Who knows? We got a lot going on, so uh, it's, it's 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 busy. We're trying to we're trying to crank these out for you, and uh, hopefully get watch Ant Man next week uh, or talk about Ant Man next week. Because it's it's big shift in uh, MCU and uh, yeah, but that should be about it for now. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, check out any our uh, check. Make sure you are following the Instagram. We have seen you guys showing love. I mean, the last six or seven reels have been over a thousand views. And uh, the only reason the seventh isn't is because it was just posted. It was like 800 and something. So y'all are showing love. Y'all are getting the views up. It's consistent now. And uh, it's just great to see, you know, what I pretty much Rem built. I'm not going to lie. When he first said in Instagram, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, I, you know, all right, we'll see how it goes. And it's really grown into something consistent, something to really be proud of. So, you know, hats off to Rem and, you know, with work we put into the pot. all right well thank you for listening and make sure to look out for a new episode we'll see you next time